Okay. Uh, welcome to the Bias Review Podcast. It's like, um, yeah. So I have to say, guys, I have a confession to make. Dun, dun, dun. Michael Nivquist is not dead. In fact, he's sitting on my couch. You can't hear him, but he's telling me that we have done this episode, this exact episode, 13 times already. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. We have to make a choice? Yeah. I want the girl. Oh, <laughs> uh, oh man. I guess I, I guess I get the key master then. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. I want Morpheus. I want to. I want to do. I want a very sad Morpheus. That's what I want. <laughs> okay. Oh. So, oh, so we watched. Food. We're continuing through the Matrix. We watched Matrix Reloaded. That's our main event tonight. But there's been a lot that has happened, and we need to talk about it. Thirty minutes starts yeah. now. So, so let's, so let's like start the with... the news that got constipated and just, just diarrhea all over this week. Yeah, let's, let's start with death. Uh, rest in peace, Ian Holm. What did um, he make? Or what they, what's he known for? Alien Bilbo and older Baggins! Bilbo. Well, Alien and older Bilbo Baggins. He's also in a bunch of other stuff. Oh, like, that! Okay, 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 okay. I, I, yeah, okay, I remember. He's also in Fifth Element. Forward out. Yeah, he was in King Lear too. He did Ratatouille. He yep. was in all kinds of stuff. I'm actually like looking through his backlog a little bit just because he was great. He was great. Alien's such a good movie. Um, yeah. His Android just set the standard for a lot of other like, yeah, like I lo- I loved Ian Home in that, and then to see him like he will forever be Bilbo for is awesome. Uh, who else died? Uh, Joel some... Schumacher. Joel Schumacher, the guy who made the worst Batman movies. Well... Flatliners. <laughs> uh, Lost yeah, Boys. Uh, Lost Boys. I was gonna say, yeah, no. Joel, Joel Schumacher also produced a lot of things that we all love, a lot of television that we all love. Um, he was. I, I like Batman for. I like things about Batman Forever, and I certainly like his unabashed uh, theatrics when it came to those two movies. But um, Lost Boys is a classic. It's a classic 80s movie. Yeah. So um, at the very least, Lost people Boys should go is pretty good. Mm-hmm. All right. So let's, let's move into controversies. Ansel Elgort has been canceled. Ansel Elgort, um, it turns out he was um, sending messages. Well, no. No, that is not true. He did not rape. Um, at least as far as I can tell, he, he, there's been accounts of sexual, well, no, it was rape actually. Yeah. But I, it mostly, um, just young women saying that they, that he pressured them into sex. So that's not going to go well for the guy who's the star of the next Spielberg movie. So yeah. Oh no, I thought that was Nate Robinson. They look so alike. Oh no. And so, side story. A story um, about a man fall about two teenagers falling in love and murder. So you know. Yeah, oh classic. no! Cla- classic. Classic. Now um, I, it's th- it's not going well for him, and his response was also not very handled. It wasn't handled very well either. So I don't, 
I don't particularly like anyone who, when something like that happens, the first thing out of their mouth should be about the victims. Like, just on a PR stance, and I'm not saying that, like, you should fake it, but at the very least, the, the first time someone comes out when they've been accused of something and the first words out of their mouth is not about the people who were hurt by what's going on, and not necessarily I believe them, but, like, people who go through something like that should be believed. But, you know, I, I didn't do it. I have evidence or I'll fight it in court. But at the end of the day, I, the people, should, people should be understood that there were people hurt here. But if that's not the first thing you say, you're going to handle your apology right off the bat poorly. And he like blaming them is not good. So he was like, yeah, this was a girl I dated and I didn't I didn't handle breaking up with her very well. I just kind of ghosted her. And uh, now it's payback. And it's and people are like, uh, so you're, you're so, just yeah, a douche. Um, maybe, Alex, you can speak more on this, but I feel so bad for Edgar Wright. Yeah. Not great. It's not great for that not, movie. Like, I'm not. I love that movie, and I and I've been talking to some people recently and hearing the arguments of those who don't think it's special, like a masterpiece or something like that. But I think technically it's a masterpiece. That doesn't necessarily mean the movie is a masterpiece overall. I think it's a masterpiece. Yeah. I think it's amazing. But at the same time, I love music and I love visual storytelling, and that's all that movie really is. And there's a really good story underneath. It's not like the most substance it's not like this movie where thematics they take massive breaks in matrix reloaded to talk about the themes of their movie that's ballsy very ambitious they don't have to do that in in baby driver like it's it has a rich characters but like it's not really going out of its way to be like crime is this or poverty does this to you jail does this to you or crime bosses do this to you it's just a fun movie that's made better than most B movies ever like it's in the way most Tarantino movies but uh, yeah it does suck to have both Kevin Spacey, Ansel Eggert, Ansel Elgort and also you know Jamie Foxx doesn't have uh, the best stories. Oh that's in- right I forgot about I forgot about that. Jamie Foxx you know? is kind of a douchebag too yeah uh, he's done he's done some poor things poor judgment as well and like yeah the movie doesn't have a lot of history but I think the worst person about it is Kevin Spacey. Ansel Elgort I whether I wasn't the biggest fan of him in Baby Driver. He wasn't like the reason that I watch it. He's been in other stuff. I've just never taken the time to watch it. I just think that movie's great that he is in and does a good job in. Like he'll always be baby for me because there's so many things about that movie that come together, including his performance. But like I wasn't really like jazz that he was gonna be in West Side Story. Like I just knew he was a good dancer and that I guess he can sing. So <laughs> we're gonna find out. But he's in—he's the lead of the next Spielberg movie. This guy's not going anywhere. So let's let's pivot away from this and move into Batman. So you don't want to talk about the Megan Fox thing coming up again? Oh, what was the Megan Fox thing? So, so yeah. you know how Megan Fox called Michael Bay a Nazi, and Spielberg was like, "Nah," and then she got the boot. Yeah, people. Yeah. Are, there's a small number of. There's a small like. There are people out there who have turned on Spielberg for that now, especially with what's coming to light uh, these days. I'm not surprised. Well, considering that he basically did what people are doing now in cancel culture, which whether you think it's a good thing or not, it's what people do. Like the moment you do one thing bad, they the people will come out and they will try to get other people to think the way they do about you. And for Spielberg to be like, oh, she said that Nazi thing and he had made Schindler's and he is Jewish and he hates it when people do that. And then he just canceled her entire 
like just fired her and kicked her out of the franchise and everything like uh, considering she was never utilized properly in that franchise in the first place also as well as being under director who just you know has never really been good with women at all and has his own problems to step away and just be like you're the problem that's problematic you fired and I'm going to make sure that other people don't hire you because of it. Yeah, that's pretty shitty for just saying something about a guy who, honestly, if she just changed the word from Nazi to asshole, would have made all the difference in the world. Now, whether he thinks those reasons are important, whether she's come out and said, I apologize, and then he makes a step forward, doesn't matter. Like, she got eaten by um, the machine in general. Like, Jennifer's Body is a good movie, and she's good in it. And it got totally ruined by marketing because they just were like, come see a movie about a sexy girl. But really, it's a movie about a sexy girl who will devour you with giant, massive, horrific teeth. She's a succubus and she's going to kill everyone. No one's going to get turned on by that. And the movie failed. And it's just like Megan Fox had a rough, rough run. And she's good in movies like This is 40. And I, I like her. But yeah, mm-hmm. I think that that move is exactly like if people are going to cancel spielberg for that it's fucking ironic yeah but yep. i do think it was a porch i think the way hollywood treats women is i've been listening to a podcast about older movies and a lot of them start going through the same story over and over again that directors would really really yell at women and and try to get their actors because they thought that was the only way that these act- actresses could get emotion out they didn't trust their actresses to be actors they would trust their actors to do whatever they needed to do to perform at the time, but they would browbeat women because they thought, like, you know, like they couldn't do it. And that's kind of stuck in the business to the point that you hear, like, stories about, um, God, who was it recently? Oh, um, Keanu Reeves and Winona Ryder. Winona Ryder was like, Keanu, like, Francis Ford Coppola told Keanu Reeves and Jack and Dracula to yell at her and, like, give her shit until she cried so that the scene could work and he was like no no she's an actress she can cry trust her i don't have to call her names and be an asshole to her offset so that you could get what you need on camera and it's like wow like yeah it, ha- it still happens yeah all right so let's let's pivot to batman land uh do we want to talk about who do we want to talk about first so there's a couple things that we can talk about here well, Mike, Michael Keaton is the most specific one. Oh, that's I forgot Michael Keaton came back is probably coming so back. So Michael Keaton wow. is going to be in the Flash movie. There is which a has rumor, been in though, development for five years, but it's actually starting there's to a ru- there's a there's, there's a rumor about what's going to go on with this actually and how how Flash is going to be a very different. So uh, I want to go into this a little bit. So as we know, the Flash movie is going to be based on the comic book Flashpoint Paradox. Uh, which is a basically a story where the Flash tries to go back in time to change a key event in the character's backstory that ends up fucking up the whole world. Um, the rumor is that they're going to change it to where he's going to go to multiple worlds and that Michael Keaton is just one of those Batman that he meets and that Michael Keaton's specifically going to play the Batman Beyond version of Bruce Wayne. So he's yes. going to be an older, gr- grizzled veteran who's training a Terry McGinnis. Um, oh, it's Batman Begins. Oh, yeah, right. Or Batman Beyond. 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 Something that people oh. have wanted ever since Batman Beyond came out. Yeah. Um, and to go into the other thing, the other news is that DC is courting Jeffrey D. Morgan to play Thomas Wayne Batman 
who is the most grizzled, hardened Batman in the entire franchise. Yeah, he is. And um, this is a guy <laughs> who shows no, no, what? I was gonna say it's it, it's what a lot of people feel is the reason that they cast both Jeffrey Dean Morgan and Lauren Cohen in those roles for Batman v Superman because Zack Snyder has a worked with those people before and also wanted to use them later. Yes, and I think Jeffrey Dean Morgan being a a, a gun wielding kind of mix of Batman and the comedian to be a lot of fun. Yeah, to go from Negan to the way Negan is now. Um, I feel like he could do it to, to humanize the comedian and the watchman as best as he could. I believe he can do it. Yeah. Um, so, so we have a couple, a couple people being courted for the flash movie. Uh, and I'm, I think both are great options. I think that, uh, Jeffrey Dean Morgan being, you know, the flashpoint Batman and Michael Keaton being a Batman beyond Batman could be a lot of fun. And I think there's a lot that could go into that. And uh, there's talks that the Flash movie might tie into Joker, too. Um, I would love that. If they're going to go multiverse, why not? And then also they could set up other multiverse movies. And then also Affleck, man. Give Affleck, give Affleck the redemption he, des- he deserves, man. Let him come in sober, making good movies again, and walk up in the fucking suit again and just be like, yeah, dude, he was. Ugh, I want to see all three of them. Yeah. I, I mean, Joaquin Phoenix's Joker would be awesome because it sets up, it sets up the idea that any DC movie can, is now a part of this, but in a way that would beat Marvel. In fact, that's what I think they're trying to do. I think they're trying to beat Marvel to proper multiverse, and they just realize that they have the capability to do it. They screwed up their yeah. DCEU, have the chance to fix it with Flashpoint made a couple side movies and then Marvel's stuck because they just ended their massive uh, big arc and it's going to take them a bit before they explain their multiverse even though they pretty much what Spider-Man. I think DC kind of is quick-shotting this but I think it's going to work and that's the best thing about it. I think the idea that they can say hey, we got our Elseworlds story Joker's kind of going to be the highlight example of what these movies are going to be like they're going to be interesting, they're going to be weird, they're going to be by these great directors Leading, led by great actors, and they can be tied into any movie in, in the DC franchise. Uh, I to beat, to, I think they could. This is what I love about the Flash. I thought that movie failed like everyone else, and then things started to change. The like with Wonder Woman, Aquaman being yeah. fun, Shazam being great, and Joker giving them money. Like they started to realize we have an opportunity here. We should really take our time with this script and make it work. I'm worried yeah. about I'm worried about Ezra Miller. Yes. I don't know if Ezra oh, Miller can lead. Yeah. I don't think well, one, he's a douchebag, and two, uh, oh, I, don't I don't know I don't know if acting wise he can lead a movie that has this much stakes to it. Yes, I do think he can. I think Ezra Miller can do that. But and I think he's a good actor, but I and I also he's don't know if he's dick. a good in real life. I have no idea what he's done in real life. Dude, that, those videos, dude, did not help him. <laughs> I See, I don't even know. The videos but, of him, like, beating women, like, no. He, oh, that's uh, r- Oh, well, I know. I watched that. He wasn't just beating a woman. Like, uh, there's another story to it, I believe, which is why it kind of disappeared faster. But um, it didn't help him. I agree. Um, no. But I think the problem with me is that the only time we've ever seen him 
was in Flash. And in Flash, yeah. he's either set up the way that Snyder... I'm not sorry, I'm sorry, Justice League. He's either set up the way Snyder set him up, or he's yeah. used as the punchline that Whedon set him to be. So I, I don't like what we got. It's very scatterbrained, and I don't think it works. I mean, he, he just falls on Wonder Woman's breast? Like, what the hell? I... I, I don't know. I, I like the moment. I'm hoping, I'm hoping that we get the version that we always wanted in Justice League, and maybe this character is a lot more funny and a lot more interesting. Uh, but, you know, we're missing a lot out of, B, uh, out of Justice League, and we didn't get anything out of him, really, out of Dawn of Justice or Suicide Squad. So, like, we, we have a good opportunity to see what kind of DC wants to go with these characters, because I'm guessing a lot of their arcs are going to the Snyder Cut's going to help with a lot of their arts and where they, they think they want to go based on reception of which was recepted better, I think, truthfully. I think Snyder Cut is going to decide a lot more than people think. I mean, the, the I'd, well, you have to ask yourself, is, is Snyder making the Snyder Cut for the future of, the w, future of DC, um, which he's not a part of and arguably was kicked out of, um, or is he going to make it for himself in spite of whatever DC is doing now? That's the thing. Like Zack Snyder is going to make whatever the hell he wants because he's now he's now got so, everything behind him to do it. But is he really going to do it so that DC can build off of it, or is he just going to make yeah. whatever the hell he wants? Why not both? Because he because they fired him and kicked him out and didn't think he did a good job and have now completely moved away from his original direction of this entire universe. So he might be pretty pissed about that. He might just be doing this despite in spite of them. Making money off something that they didn't think would make money at all. Maybe. Who knows? Maybe. I, I couldn't I'm... tell you. The other thing is we already know that Ezra Miller ties into the TV series because they already crossed them over into yeah, the Arrowverse. Yeah. Um, so, which means that the Arrowverse would be connected to Joker. Yeah, which I think is kind of cool. Not going to lie. that like Stephen Amell and like Katie Cassidy and like... Fulton Hayes and all them are like in the same functionally in the same universe as Joker, which helps everybody, I think. I mean Joker's a good movie. Yeah. I don't think I, I also, it's not I also it's the most one the one that's made the most money recently. That's true. I but I also personally think that they should get rid of Ezra Miller and give it to Grant Gustin, because I think Grant Gustin's a perfect Barry Allen. Yeah, but it's whether or not he wants to do. I don't think he's. I don't think he's good enough for the movies. No, I don't. I and I just think that a lot of that has to do with um, everyone else that has been entered into the Snyderverse. There's a look to the that to this universe that he created that they still haven't escaped from, and to a certain extent can't. The way that action moves the way that things are shot. Like, Shazam didn't yeah. have the money that the other ones did, so not all of its action looks great, but, like, when they need to, it looks like a Zack Snyder action piece because Zack Snyder set the action in his movies. So the people yeah. are all big. They're all, like, they're cinematic-looking. His costume is cinematic-looking. And Grant Gustin, as much as I loved him and I thought he was great, he his costume's TV, and his character arc has been for so long through TV I don't know if he could step up to everyone that's there and look and feel. Now, I don't know if people can make that shift. Do I think he's the best Barry Allen that there's been? Yeah, he's the only true Barry Allen that there's been since the 90s guy. So 
He's obviously amazing yeah. at it. But uh, I want to see the difference between him and Ezra Miller. I liked the idea of Ezra Miller when they hired him. I don't really care about, you know, how he's played in uh, the Harry Potter movies. I, I've always kind of liked him. I liked him when he was in, like, Trainwreck. Um, but they, he just wasn't given the proper chance in Justice League. Um, but I did like the scene with him and his dad in the jail. That was yeah. who Barry was supposed to be. That's the, the most pure human moment we have of Barry Allen, period. So, and I liked it. I think they could carry it on, but I don't know. He has a weird mustache when he goes back to see Batman. So, explain that mustache. True. Mustache gate. <laughs> oh mustache my god! I really. Uh. Um. So yeah, that, that, there's that. So um, let's kind of move away from the Batman stuff. Uh, movie theaters are reopening, and they're doing things that Alex wants them to do for once. Last Alex weekend. Jurassic Park was number one in the world. <laughs> yeah. so yep. Jaws came Park, back. In- not Jurassic World. Jurassic Park. The OG. Dude. <laughs> uh, Dude. At, at our old theater, there were like nothing but um, black-centered movies. It was great. And do the right thing. I guess who's coming to dinner? That um, I'm not your Negro. That's so many good movies. They had the, they have the imitation of life one that Zach's been pushing for a bit. It's it's crazy, dude. Like that's uh yeah, dude. They're playing old movies again, and that's I, if I didn't have the job I had, I would probably prepare for a day to go see movies to like yeah or like to have days prepared to be able to see two or three movies and just like get the gloves and wash my clothes and like all that stuff but i can't do it with the job um which sucks because that the list they had at willow was really good i liked it um but sadly that because things have gotten worse uh, for the pandemic um chris that means the movie you've uh, been waiting for has been pushed back again to august what what was that, <laughs> was that again chris i can't remember Tenet. Oh, that wasn't the tenant I was looking for. But it's still coming. They're not denying it. It's going to theaters. August 12th, right? Uh, yep. I think later. No, it's August 12th. August 12th. August 12th. There was a two in there somewhere. I didn't know where. I'm glad it's behind the one. So, yeah, that's... Uh, Other things, too. One, one, tenant is the centerpiece here. Like, everyone knows that people will see tenant. That, um, like... People will see it. So that's the yeah. thing. If Pennant moves, they all move. And they all did. So Wonder Woman, everything else has moved. Black Widow, yeah. everything. I think... My fast nine. Yeah. So do we have anything else we want to talk about before we get to the really big thing we want to talk about? There's um, eight minutes left. I will, I'm going to reset the timer for it. There are a lot of people and a lot of shows that are especially animated ones that are changing their white actors who portray uh, the Simpsons uh, yeah he's well Family Guy and Bojack Horseman people have all come out and been like we regret the fact that we took this casting and uh, we regret the fact that we never really were a part of the change of the casting so like yeah that's starting to happen more and you know what I'm going to be honest I I'm love Simpsons I really do but fuck them like family yeah. guys 
Family Guy stepped up and was like, we're going to change this. And then Simpsons did it. But someone made a very popular movie like two, three years ago about how the idea that um, Apu is still played by a white guy is pretty fucked up. And their response to it was, the creator's response to it was, lighten up, guys. And then they made fun of it on the show. Like, <laughs> like Matt like, fuck you for that, honestly. For family oh, yeah. guys to be like, yeah, we're going to change Mike. Mike's not going to do Cleveland anymore. It's kind of like, we get it now. We're going we're gonna to stop. And then Simpsons was like, yeah, yeah, we're going to do that. It's like, what? I love how South Park from the very, from like day one was like, tokens of black. It's every black character that comes on. Even Isaac Hayes is not played by a white guy. Like, Chef was black. And they're like, we're going to get like, a, like the blackest black dude ever. We're going to get it. We're going to get the sexiest man alive to come in and play this because, you know, none of us should do that. Well, South Park's always been ahead of the curve on everything. <laughs> uh, they're all, yeah, I love South Park. I have nothing bad to say about them. The only sad no, thing they, about South Park was when Trump won. Even they admit they were like, that took us by, that took them by such a shock that it ruined they had to change all. The whole se- yeah, they had to change the whole season, didn't they? That and just emotionally, they were like, we didn't think it would happen. It isn't just that we made the story to edge towards a different outcome. Like, honestly, we would have, we, in any of the situation, we would have been fine and adapted and had fun with it. But like, they were disheartened and it, it, yeah. they really just weren't passionate about anything. They've even said it. They've got, the show's gotten so much better for it. But um, yeah, like, that I'm not is- gonna, I'm not gonna lie though, in the last four years of South Park, and I, I get it. They they've only been do- they've done very, very like seldom episodes. Like they've cut the number of episodes down significantly since. They uh and you could tell, but dude, they've had so much fun with Garrison. Like in the last four years, like I love it. It's Mr. Garrison is like literally one of the best characters in the new season. He's just so ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, watching it shift from being about Stan and the kids. All, always and the parents being idiots it's shifted a lot to the parents and their perspective but they're also still fucking idiots which is <laughs> a lot when you grow up that's what you realize more yeah. and more and sad integrity man you gotta get some good old fashioned uh, yeah but yeah but a lot of a lot of shows <laughs> are starting to step up and do that because things are changing and and getting yeah. interesting you know what i will say dude Good. I was gonna say this past season of South Park, the fact that they they took that really, really, really deep stab at China just made my day. <laughs> yeah, they took a, a like Dan fucking like murdering Pooh Bear was like hilarious. Spoilers, or, not yeah. Dan, uh, not Dan. I'm sorry. Uh, God. Spoilers. But, uh, don't say it now. Randy. 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 Ah. Oh. They're still great. People should still be watching South Park. South Park's amazing. Oh my god. South Park is so funny. It's I'm Chris. Hey, Chris, have you heard of this show called South Park? It's really good. It's been around for <laughs> I mean, I guess it's a better question, Chris. Have you actually sat down and watched Sorry, what? Have you watched South Park before? Not an episode, but I've seen like 
but I like um I've watched one I watched one of my favorite Twitch streamers play uh, uh Stick of Truth and I thought it was pretty funny. Alex, um, we have to put it bigger, longer, uncut. We have to put it on one of the wheels, like the good wheel or the carry out I don't care which. Bigger, longer, uncut is one of my favorite musicals of all time. It's so we, so we good. Have, we have to watch it, dude. It's just one day, yes. We Absolutely, have to put yeah. it on. We have to get it I on. Say, I was gonna say Chris. Team America too. Team America is great too, but oh my god, bigger, longer, uncut is so funny. It is. Oh my god. Oh, it, I think you it. should watch some episodes of the show that came on before that movie first, just a few yeah. to get the vibe of it, to get the tone of it, just so you can see what they step up in the movie and understand some of the characters and and some of the jokes. But outside of that, it's it's hilarious. It's amazing. It's Bigger, Longer, I, Uncut, and Team America are totally worthy for either good or curiosity. But I would say if you were going to see an episode of South Park first, the first episode of South Park that you need to see, period, Scott Teneman. Oh, my God, yeah, Scott Teneman's so good. Um, I, I cannot tell you what happens outside of um, no. Hartman, the biggest jerk of the group. Uh, is tricked by an older student, like a sixth grader, I think, or something, to uh, I, that I, he, because because Cartman is so young and doesn't understand how puberty works. Uh, this older kid's like, I, "You haven't gotten your pubes yet," and Cartman's like, "No, I don't have my pubes yet." And the kid goes, "I'll sell you some pubes so you can have them." And Cartman's like, "Great, I can have some." And he sells like for five dollars or like ten dollars or something. He sells it to Cartman, and Cartman is told by his friends that you got an older kid, like you were scammed. So the whole show is Cartman trying to get the money back from the kid, and it escalates and escalates into the most evil plan that has ever existed. Like, Cartman is evil. He's evil. Oh, it's, it's so good. It's amazing. It's like the first the greatest episode of the, the show. Alex, like the fact that the last line of the show, I'm not going to say what it is. Just like makes my day. Just like never piss off Harmon that that hard last, again. Just, like, oh god, the last <laughs> five minutes of Scott Teneman is bonkers. Perfect. It's like my so job good. is on. Yeah, it's a great <laughs> show, Chris. And yeah, uh, if uh, to get you into the movie, you should just watch yeah. one or two episodes. But the movie is genuinely great. I sing those songs I, all the time. And then Team I, America. Really, if you haven't seen Team America, Team America is for everyone. It's it's so good. It looks so good. It's so funny. The ending is amazing. Yeah. I, uh, have you ever seen Team honestly, America? Honestly, I'm really sad because uh, South Park hasn't done movies since they go long run cut. No, they went but on they to have... make of Mormon, one of the greatest musicals <laughs> on no, Broadway. I, no, I get it. I get it. I get it. But, like, they had three opportunities that they had, like, triple episodes or something like that, that, or that they, like, that like they had the the Black Friday one, which would have been perfect. The Game of Thrones Black well, that, Friday. Yeah, one. I I see what you're saying. Yeah, they basically said why go why go through all the trouble of making a movie? Why go through the trouble of taking the time to step away from the show when they can just make movies within the show? Yeah, and that's and then what they wanted to do. Yeah, they have more and control. Then, and then they show. also and then Imagination Land was like perfect too. Oh yeah, they've you know, got like, several arcs. Yeah, when thirty they, minutes they, is up. Oh, so you know. Anyway, uh, yeah, we're just we need gonna, another thirty. <laughs> we're just talking about stuff, right? No, we need to move on. We need to move on. La- La- Last of Us Two. Okay. I'm just... <laughs> All right. I I am probably the only one who has played and beaten the game. 
I believe others and, have. You're not the only one in the world, Chris. Hubert. No, I mean the only one here is what I'm saying. Okay, yeah, I, I haven't played it. Yeah, no, I haven't touched it yet. But I'm pretty sure That's I'm not like, the only one who knows what happens. I know what happens. Oh, no, no, we know what happens. Okay. So spoilers. Fire for away. Way. Okay, yeah, spoilers. Spoilers for Last of Us Two, Let's, because this isn't enough. Like it's happened again. It's happened again. I don't think this, Chris. I, I before you, we go too deep on this, because uh, I feel like we're gonna go down a rabbit hole that we're, we don't. I don't think this is Last Jedi. This is not even the same app. Oh my God! Yes, it is. I think no, it's, it's not. Jedi. I think even from my I, perspective, it's Last Jedi. I think no, dude. The entire me, Last me, of the me, Reddit me, page me, has turned me, on this game. Me, let me explain myself, and then we can talk like adults, okay? We were, but go so, on. <laughs> so the reason why I don't think this is Last Jedi is that I think circumstances behind Last of Us 2 is, first off, extremely different. Um, I think the biggest problem why it got review bombed is because... I think by, by the users and not critics. Right. Yes, by the users who got leaked a month or two ago, didn't understand context, and the creators didn't want to go out and say, couldn't, basically couldn't explain themselves as to why they made the decision they made, and these people are review bombing it because they can't accept the circumstances of the story before and after a very specific event that Chris they didn't even know the story. About. They didn't even know the story. They knew that one thing happened because. A two and a half minute clip got leaked on yeah. YouTube for twenty minutes. They didn't know and, the story; they knew the moments. Yeah, and the moment's shocking. Don't get me wrong. And I think I'm fine with the moment. And I've talked to Alex about this. I'm fine with the moment. I had a little bit different expectations of where this series was going, but it wasn't that much different from where it ended up. I knew at some point this character was going to have this event happen to them. I just wasn't sure when. I was hoping it more towards the middle of the game, or even towards the end of this game. And we're, we're doing spoilers, so you can say the names. Yeah, we're doing spoilers, because so, the warning so, has been so, dropped. So, spoiler alert, Joel dies in the first two and a half. You hours. son of a... I haven't even played. I haven't even played. <laughs> I, I, so, Joel dies in the first two, two and a half, three hours of the game. Is that about right, Chris? About two and a half? Um, for me, it was about an hour and a half, because I okay. played on the I, easiest difficulty, because I am a coward. Yeah, yeah, oh. well, it, it's fine. We're we're not going to talk about difficulty. We're going to talk about like story wise. It's about an hour or two hours in. Uh, Joel yeah, dies. Uh, yeah. My my and that event and that shot that scene was leaked on YouTube for about an hour and a half before it got taken down. Uh, the community went in universal uprising because they're like, how could you kill Joel in the first hour and a half? And they didn't understand what led to it, and they didn't understand what comes after it. And I think where the game I. I think personally, I always knew that Joel was probably going to die in this movie. I assumed game. Joel was going to die. Whatever movie, game, story, whatever. It's all the same thing. It's a story. Um, of, it's a game, but it's a story. And movies, yeah. yeah. I uh, I assumed Joel was probably going to die at the end, and that the events we actually got in this game was going to be the basis of the story for the third game. Uh, and they kind of overshot me a little bit, but that's okay. Um, I thought this game was going to be a lot more about um, 
you know, the first game was very much about Joel and with Ellie around. And I thought that this game was going to be a lot of both Joel and Ellie coming to terms with Joel accepting a lot more of what was going on with his past while Ellie's coming into her own as, I think, was she a 19-year-old now at this point? Something like that. Uh, she's coming into her adulthood and her sexuality and all that. And I assumed that at the very end of it, this would have been the perfect adult moment where at the very end of the game, her father figure dies. And now we have a third game with a character who's grown up and now has lost that person and what takes this character forward. I think that would have been a lot more fun. I think that theme is still in this game. I think oh, that... Dude. Dude, this game is not about fun. This game is not about fun. Okay. Chris, 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 I I, I know what's going on with this game. Uh, I know. Let let us also specify that Zach has not played it. Right. I've not played it, but I do know the story, and I've played the first one. I kind of know the gameplay. But um, anyways, um, I think that it got review bombed because people didn't want to accept it. They didn't want to actually play the story to see how this happens. And I was reading the interview about uh, the creative director who basically said that the day it got leaked was the worst day of his life because he couldn't explain, he couldn't defend himself for, mo- for a month while he this game was to. waiting to get released. And he, but he shouldn't have to, I agree. People shouldn't go out and review bomb this thing because they don't like one specific moment about it, even though I think it was telegraphed a mile away. Well, I mean, uh, the reason I think this is The Last Jedi is because the movie made a decision that an audience didn't like, despite the fact that it's still a good movie. Critics and people who who like analyze and like critique video games enjoy the story, despite how sad it is. Most most reviews are going to be like, "This thing is sad as shit," but it's also really yeah. well done in in its expression of sadness and grief and what an apocalyptic world would probably be like if you lived in one. So, like people are if people are looking for fun apocalyptic go to fallout man this ain't it this is walking dead times 10 so like deal with it but like none of that I... makes sense if you understand the context and see the story and like there that is i i can't say that that's what happened with last jedi because the leaks did not come out but people watched the movie didn't like it and then went out and told people it wasn't good which is not true they didn't like it it wasn't that it wasn't good they didn't like it so is Last so, of Us good? That's not what people are saying. They're saying you made a decision to kill Obi-Wan in the middle of the movie instead of at the end. Did I say Obi-Wan? Yeah, it's so because middle. that's what older mental does in these movies. I wouldn't, I wouldn't even say it was Obi-Wan. It, or, or it was in the middle. I'd say it's like at the beginning. But that's, that's the thing. Everyone, like <laughs> Obi-Wan dies in Star Wars at the, begin, at the end of the second act, not at the end of the first act. Like, that's what people have come to expect about the mentor figures of young characters, period. So when that doesn't happen, people are like, aw, but they don't stop and think about what that could actually do to a character if you do something different. And on top of the fact of the decision he made in the last fucking game. So I... (laughs) Okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. Stop, 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 stop. Right here. Hold on. Um... the, Something monumenta- monumentous is just happening. I say anything. I just realized something. What? Yeah. Alex, what did you think of The First Last of Us, based on what you've researched? I think it's great. Thank you. Okay, just wanted to make sure. Go ahead. No, yeah. No, literally, the, 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 the he dies because of the, the, the shitty decision they make in literally the last mission of the game. Because he kills a bunch of people, and they're like, 
we needed to, uh, uh, their daughter or whatever needs uh, whoever Abby's related to, and I, I don't remember. It doesn't matter. Uh, is like fuck you and fuck your people. I'm just gonna fucking kill you. <laughs> he makes a selfish decision. He makes a yeah. selfish decision yeah. based off love, and that decision based off love was huge effect. It had a huge effect on everyone, and that fucked his psyche up because she doesn't really understand that. And she doesn't, in a way, know that by the end of the game. So their relationship from that is based off the conflict of that. So it makes sense, in my mind, a decision that they made could be utilized properly in storytelling if the new main character is her. Especially when he makes yeah. that decision and that basically destroys him. Like, what arc is he going to have other than death? Who is and like cool? I said- this game started that Joel was not going to die, period. Why are people bitching about when he does? I was going to say, I never thought that Joel was going to make it out of this alive. I knew, I had this feeling that, like, if they decided to continue with this, Ellie was going to be the main character at some point. They always kind of set it up. They always seemed like that. I knew that at some point Joel had to go. And I think that... I just, like, didn't expect it to happen so soon. That was, like, the biggest thing. That was my biggest thing. I just didn't expect uh, it to happen so soon into the game. But and this is I think it's really shocking, and it's really interesting, and it, it leads to a very good story from Ellie, which is basically this whole game's a revenge story at the end of the day. And well, you also put a big point about when we were talking about this, about the villain and what you heard about him. But I also want to lay something out from Zach and I's perspective. I'm going to speak for Zach for a second, because I can. <laughs> uh, we have not played the game, and the one thing that I find the most interesting about this is that this is all about 30 hours of gameplay. To understand these choices, to understand why you live with these characters, for people to be sad that Joel is gone after playing him for so long in the last game, I get it. Like, I understand storytelling from a movie or maybe sometimes a novel perspective. But games are very, um, they're alien to me in a lot of what you experience when you are the one sitting there for 30 hours with these people. So the yeah. loss of character, I do, I am taking that judgment and what they feel seriously, but Chris is really the only one who experienced it from the way that they properly wanted it to. So like we have a glass ceiling, Chris doesn't. Yeah, true. Okay. Um, I have been dying to get like, to like talk about this game for the longest time because i told you guys in the chat once i finished i'm like this is gonna stick with me for a while and like um and i was thinking about it i'm just like so like i've been the moment i think i knew what i was gonna talk about on the show so alex i have to ask you Mm -hmm. have you ever come across anything across storytelling that Sets up a revenge story, concrete, solid, you know. Yep. Brings you to the point where it's about to come to a head, the culmination of everything. Then it comes back, then it pulls back, sends us back to when we first start the quest, except we're from the perspective of the person we are, from the antagonist, like, Essential, essentially the the antagonist of the story, and like, um, like you you get what I'm saying? Like, this game d- 
did something that I don't think anybody was expecting beyond Joel dying, which I quite honestly knew what was going to happen because someone said it on Twitter. It's just like someone just said Joel dies. And I'm like, yeah, it makes sense. Like, that's like, think about what he did in the first game. Why would anybody like, what is the next step for that? Like, where do you go after that? Um, that destroys you. Um, but like, that was something that I had never like seen before. So I have to ask you, Alex, who has seen more media than I have, except in the realm of video games, has there, has anything like that been done as far as you can remember? So, uh, so just to get this straight, you're saying that you spend some time with Ellie and then you spend some time with the person that she's trying to murder later. Yes. The equal amount of time. Equal amount of time. So you... You okay? So the difference, the thing about a game is that it every person how they play it is different. Some people view themselves as Ellie, as the person they are playing, and that may shift. So, for example, if they're playing Sonic, a, a really good Sonic game, and then all of a sudden they're Knuckles, maybe in their mind they're like, "I'm Knuckles now. I'm more like Knuckly now." <laughs> like that that sometimes works for them. So put it in an extreme of a story where like you play Ellie, and then. The, sh- the game shifts you to the person that you have been for hours, like, I'm going to kill this person, this asshole. Um, to do that in a movie is very hard, and the only time they ever really pull that off well are shows. Now, are there shows that do that? Yes. Uh, there's a couple I think are, are really interesting. Um, probably the one that I would say is a really good example um, are antiheroes that go somewhere like Negan. Negan is like murders one of the most favorite characters in Walking Dead right off the bat. And then it takes a long time, but eventually they start to humanize him and become somebody else. And you have to keep watching the show, but they take they you're you're not spending time with the people who were after Negan anymore. They've they it's years later now. Negan's a different person. So now you get to watch him be somebody else. Uh, they do it in Lost with Ben Linus. Very, very specifically with Ben Linus. He, he's the ma- a massive bad guy, and then he becomes a human, and then he becomes a weasel. It becomes so many different things. So it's more of a TV thing. But the, again, video games are different. You are, you are making right. decisions. You so. are these people. Or you could be yourself and put yourself out of the shoes and be like, that, that's how I would probably play video games. And that's why I like story-based video games when I watch them is because I feel like I'm not only controlling the character, but I, this is what the character is doing. This, it's like Neo in the Matrix. Like he, he is going down a path that I'm still interested in watching him and may like – at the end of the day, there is a, a – I can't go past the boundaries of the game. And that's, that is a window that I can't pass. No matter how good the story is, I'm always going to see Ellie as Ellie. If I was playing that game and you're telling me that happens and I'm following her and that happens and they switch to him, I would be ecstatic. Her. I would be super happy to no to change to him to go from oh. oh so she's like I heard it was a guy that she was trying to kill no it's a girl it's a woman Abby okay so imagine this woman is a guy no okay <laughs> no it's not hard because she is jacked like Guys. like freaking built like an ox like I was shocked I'm like good God like well, the see, guns on this woman is amazing there's zombies around man you're gonna step it up it's not about right. who's the man you're gonna marry anymore. Uh, so, uh, and I'm not saying that's all women are for, but I'm just saying like you got hey, other priorities in an apocalypse. Um, so that's so, interesting. But that like I that's the way that I view from that outside perspective. But okay. most people don't so, do that way with the game. So that to me is an incredible shift, especially when you've already have another game and that story and what she like 
watching her grow to this point, um, and then have her do the revenge bit. One of my favorite revenge movies, small revenge movies of recently, is something called Blue Ruin, and it you, it's really good. Uh, but it's very small, and when you get to the end, there is a, a moment for every character in the room, including the bad guy, to decide whether or not they want to keep going with revenge. Like the entire movie, you're watching this guy get revenge and you feel like he's earned it or deserved it or that he's going to do it anyway. So you're going to go along with him. He gives the bad guy an opportunity. The director gives the bad guy an opportunity to have that same journey for about five minutes at the end of the movie. And it like culminates in this really bloody end. And it's super good. But it's sort of like that, like giving, putting yourself in the not it's not putting yourself in the shoes of the other person. It's putting yourself in the shoes of the other person who has the exact same conflict as the person you were in the shoes of before. So I'm not sure what this person, Ellie, is going for, but, like, if you spend just as much of the game with her as you do Ellie, like, they probably humanized her, and she probably has conflicts and everything. So, playing this game, I'm going to bring you in, okay? (sighs) Playing this game, I personally spent 18 hours. I played it on the easiest difficulty because I am a coward. Um, Stop being a coward, Chris. Trying. Um, we appreciate so it. people who probably played it on like normal or harder are the ones who spent like thirty plus hours with on it, or like hardcore. I just want to point point out, and this is a little industry thing that doesn't mean anything. When they clock uh, how long it takes to play a game, it's usually on the normal difficulty. <laughs> then it's then that's, on normal, that's, whatever. Then you're awesome. That's... He's saying you're awesome, Chris. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> um, so this is like very much like watching a television show, except you're playing as the character in this uh, particular case. Yes, it's one of the most interesting. That's uh, we were also talking about. There's an article that came out a few years ago about whether video games are art or whether they just are products with artistry to them, despite the fact that some of them tell stories. Yep. It's yep. That- and that that uh, that's one of those points of that argument that I find interesting. Whether I agree with it or not, I'm not going to say. I do think that that's interesting. That yeah, you're basically watching a show that every now and then you get to control. So, okay, but like the Matrix, only within the bounds that they allow you. It's just another form of control, right? <laughs> so, I pl- so okay, so like I said, I'm the only one in this in this call that has played the game and can speak for what it does. Um, So to remind the best that I, um, Abby is the, Abby is the antagonist. She's the one out to kill Joel because in the first game, when Joel killed the doctor, the doctor was her dad. Mm -hmm. That's how they, that's how they start that path. And yep. so... Completely understandable. Right. So... Um, so so she kills Joel after Joel saves her life from a horde after she went to... She went herself because the people she came with are starting to have doubts about whether or not this crusade of hers is like worth it and then joel 
just falls in their lap and they just kill they just kill him in front of Ellie with a golf club. Um brutal. Um Eganish. Yes. Um where they got that golf club, I don't know. Um it was a lodge, so anyway. Um uh, so then Ellie's like, I'm going after these guys. And um Psycho the psycho violence. Right. So then, as the game goes on, when you're first playing as Ellie throughout this, throughout a weekend in Seattle, um, it gets, like, through Ellie's tale of revenge, you start to understand Abby's point of view. Because the same thing happened to Ellie that happened to Abby, and it's kind of like a vicious cycle. You know what I'm saying? So, like, Joel kills... Abby's dad. Abby kills Joel. Ellie goes after Abby. Like that. Mm-hmm. And so as the game goes on when you're play- first playing as Ellie, you're when you first start, you're like, okay, let's go. Let's go get these guys. And then it's slowly, like a slow burn, is like making, forcing you to question, like to be comfortable with this. And you're like, the more I went on, the less comfortable I was feeling about this revenge mm-hmm. plot. Um, and they did, a, and Neil Druckmann, who wrote and directed this game, co-wrote and directed this game, uh, did a good job with that, I think. Um, because, like, I was actively trying not to kill people when I had to. I was just like, oh, man, this is just... I tried to keep the body count low the more I played. Interesting. Um... So then it comes to a point where Ellie's part, Ellie's girlfriend, Dina, comes with her, right? Yeah. To get revenge. Um, and it turns out that she is pregnant from her former flame, Jesse, who also tagged along from, like, he came, he comes much later. So she got Jesse's girl. <laughs> she got Jesse's girl. Um, and now there's this anchor. It's like that's t- it's tied Ellie to this as she moves along. It's like you know. Um, so they're hiding out in the theater as she goes out. Then, as the icing on the cake, essentially for that, or they're not the icing on the cake, but like you know, like to add more weight to it, two of Abby's friends that went with her. Um, their part, their partners, and the they're a straight couple, and the the woman that the the one of them is pregnant, like months in, and Ellie kills Abby's close friend Owen and um uh, uh Mel, who was um, Owen's um partner, who uh, I'll, I'll keep going. Um, I'm, I'm probably going to go over 30 minutes because I got to get this all off my chest just to see, just to see what you guys think. Um, yeah, I'm breaking the timer. Screw it. Uh, there were six, six and a half minutes left anyway. I was, I was going to go over. Um, so then Ellie kills Owen and Mel, who again is pregnant and it almost makes her sick. Um, she's like shaking. Ellie is shaking like. What did I just do? Um, but she's kind of still set on because, like, at that point, only Abby is left. Then, 
uh, at the well. theater where they were, um, they were at the theater that they were hanging out at. Abby, then they find, they hear noises. Ellie and Jesse, they hear noises. They burst into the theater lobby. Abby's there. Kills Jesse and has uh, Joel's brother Tommy at gunpoint. And so Abby's like, "You killed all my like you killed all my friends. I don't care if you're the only person immune that anybody ever knows. Like you killed all my friends." And then it cuts or like cuts to black, and you wake up as Abby, who can't who hasn't who as it turns out hasn't been hasn't become any better since she killed Joel. Like she's struggling to sleep just as much as Ellie is. Um, so revenge gen- genuinely didn't do anything, and now she's struggling to find purpose again. Like, what just happened? Like, she was, oh, <laughs> she was Owen's girlfriend at one point, and they were smashing, and then they smash in this game <laughs> mm. behind Mel's back because Owen is done with all the with all the like the crap that with their current faction because they're at because they're in a holy war essentially and they're they're at war over gods and territory which is what this world has come to which makes me think that even if ellie even if killing ellie provided a cure they'd still have to solve all that junk um so then it's basically just abby trying to like find the light because there's this um there's this theme of moths, you know, throughout the game, throughout like because like in the loading screen when you when you look when you log in in and out of the game, there's a loading screen of moths, like hanging around a light, amidst like a whole thing of dark, which um, so like there's a theme of moths, right, and it turns out that Abby, who is on one side of a faction war. Helps, helps like, runaways from the other side, which is apparently, in her faction, like, some form of heresy. And so, it's like, she grows a conscience over time, and she becomes, in, way, in some ways, Joel, Abby does. Because he, because Abby, she um, befriends Lev, who beca- who um, was kicked out of the opposing um, faction because he's transgender. Um, which they, the way they said it was, Lev shaved his Lev shaved his head, which he wasn't supposed to. Which now makes sense in hindsight because I actually didn't pick up that he was trans. Anyway, um, when I first played, I didn't pick up that he was trans. Um, so then it turns out she goes back to the aquarium where um the marina where uh Owen and Mel live and she finds that they're dead. She's actually sick. She finds the map that Ellie dropped when they when she escaped from the marina after killing them. Go finds them at the theater and then now you are playing as Abby and Ellie is a boss fight. Wow. So then, turns out that at the, like, at the peak of tension, um, Dina steps in after, because she's, like, she's got, like, fevers and all that. 
She's fatigued and all that. She's got fatigue sickness. And she's like, um, she intervenes and then Abby beats the piss out of her. Um, and then Ellie's like beaten to a pulp too. And then Abby's like, you know, Ellie is just like begging because like Abby has Dina to, uh, at, at a knife point. He's like, she has a knife to her throat. He's just like, stop, stop. Dina's pregnant. Ellie says, and then Abby's like, good, and is about to slash Dina's throat, and then Lev's like, Abby, no, don't. So then Abby's, Abby turns out, drops the knife, and says, tells Ellie, I better not see you again, and walks out. Um, and then time passes. She tried uh, to end the cycle. Say what now? She tried to end the cycle. Yes. Um... Smash get to maybe some months later. Um, Ellie and Dina are ha- living a happy life. Uh, Dina has since given birth, and it takes you through like all the like this nice little farm that they have because because that's what they talked about um, doing in through in game dialogue, and then like Ellie still has PTSD over watching Joel die. Um. And then Tommy shows up, who survived her his encounter with Abby because he took a bullet to the skull, but it, it just barely grazed him. But now he doesn't have a right eye. Um, he wants to go after her because they're in Santa Barbara looking for old faction, like people who used to be with uh, her Abby's dad. So that Abby's out there with Lev looking for those people. And... <clears throat> Dina's like, no, she's not doing that. And then Ellie just sits there quietly, and Tommy just, like, berates her and just walks out. Then it turns out Ellie can't let it go. She just can't let it go. So she packs up and leaves against Dina's wishes, and she goes to Santa Barbara, um, barely gets, barely makes it there, and it turns out that um, the old faction that Abby was a part of with her dad are in fact all dead and she was kidnapped by another faction of people who eat zombies um oh. <laughs> and keep them for pets and whatnot wow the and bigger so, bigger bad guys these guys are inhuman they don't have they don't have consciences they are inhuman so Ellie fu- Ellie eventually gets there by the skin of her teeth. She is bleeding bad. Um, and so, um, so she fights, she fights or sneaks through, depending on how you play the game. I tried to sneak through. It didn't work. I suck. Um, still did it in 18 hours. Yeah. And so you find Abby, who is probably just a shell of her former self. You cut her down. She takes love to a boat. And the final confrontation happens there. She's like, Abby's like, I don't want to fight you. And then Ellie's like, you are going to fight me. And holds Lev at gunpoint, who is barely hanging on to life. And Abby's like, you have, he has nothing to do with this. And Ellie's like, you made him a part of this. So then they fight. And you're playing as Ellie fighting a shell of Abby. Of what Abby used to be. And, like, you're, like, ultimately, like, 
you're like you're just trying to cut away at her. You're like cutting your forearms. That's all she. That's all she has to block these blows. And so it comes down to she's about to because they're at the, they're at a beach. She's about to drown Abby, and she is like struggling through it. Um, bites two of her left. Uh, bites her ring finger and her pinky finger off her left hand. Abby does before she's taken under again, and Elliot just holds her there. And then, and then um, Ellie flashes of Joel on a porch playing his, playing his guitar. And then Ellie stops and lets, and lets Abby out and just says, just take him. Get out. Just take him. And then Abby leaves with Lev. Ellie just sits in this, like, this gray, like, foggy beach um, just crying. And so she comes back to the house that Dina and... Uh, their baby had and it's empty save for her stuff in her office and um, she tries to play the guitar she can't so then she flashes back to the last night her and Joel spoke I have to go back a little bit because Ellie does know what Joel did because Joel admitted it because Ellie went back to the hospital where they went and found an old tape recorder that pretty much detailed the whole thing. And Ellie's like, you can't lie to me anymore. Just like, st- like stop lying. And then Joel admits it and basically like, I will go back to Jackson, where they, the town that they're at. But we are done. So she, at that point she leaves. So coming back to when Ellie tries to play the guitar one more time, Joel's guitar, one more time, she flashes back to the porch and she's like, um, this is after she got called a very bigoted term at a party after she kissed Dina before all this crap went down. And um, Ellie's like, you should have left me on that operating table. My life would have effing mattered, which is all that she wanted in the first game. After seeing all the darkness, like, I want this to be worth it. And Joel's is like, if like I can't remember the good, I can't remember the, I can't remember the the line, but it was it just smacked me across the face. It was like Joel is like, if the good Lord gave me one more, give me another chance at it, I swear I would have done it all over again. And um, which almost like good God, Joel. Um, and so Ellie's like, I don't think I can forgive you for that. You but I want to try. But I want to try. And kind of, it just ends there. Um, and then Ellie just leaves the guitar at the window, and she walks away from the house. And then that's the end of the game. Mm. God, it felt so good to get that off my chest. Honestly. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, Zach, wake up. Like is that? Uh, I think he muted himself. <laughs> um, uh, I, yeah, it just sounds like a really good story about revenge. Yeah. Um, it sounds like the, the thing that she tried to forgive Joel for and wasn't able to do before he died is what carried over to Abby for sure. It's just, yeah, there's a lot of, there's a lot of movies and stories that I could point to about the downfall of revenge. The most famous being Moby Dick, but those people lose. Yeah, uh, I. That just sounds really good, though. 
yeah, it, it is dark and it is sad, but at the same time, we all do that. We all have to live with the selfish decisions that were for us, but wreck the relationships around us. Like we, we have to live with those things and either we end the cycle of violence or we let it take us. And she didn't. And what did she lose? Her baby, her wife and her fingers. So she can't play the thing that connected her to the person she the lost. Last thing about. that she had, the last connection to Joel that she had gone. Yeah. It's that, that is what revenge can do. That's in blue. Like, Ruin. That's, yeah. When I first watched that ending, I'm like, this is Evangelion levels of, like, ambiguous. Because, like, I just could not... When I first watched it, I'm like, why did she leave the guitar? Because, like, I cannot play a guitar to save my life. I didn't... When I first heard it, I'm like, she's playing fine. She's playing better than I would. I didn't... I did not register that she couldn't play anymore. Um, then when it turns out, like, people who play guitar... Like, no, she can't. No, she couldn't do it anymore. Like, oh, so that's what it sounds like? I couldn't tell. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, yeah, there are actually a bunch of YouTube videos out of people making her play really sad songs. It's actually like, hurt. Funny. like Johnny Cash. That's the one that keeps coming up for me. Uh, um, there's also Black Hole Sun, Stone Temple Pilots, a bunch of other great ones. But yeah, I love Hurt. I actually love Johnny Cash's version of Hurt. It's one of my favorite. I used to listen to that all the time. As sad as it was, I was so happy. Because I liked Johnny Cash um, and his early stuff. It was so happy for me to watch him have another hit. And to, like, it was also, it was about his own addiction and made around the time that his wife died. But at the same time, I was also like, good for Johnny Cash showing people how it's done still. So. But yeah, powerful, powerful version of Nine Inches Nails, Nine Inch Nails Hurt. And it fits the movie pretty, uh, fits the story pretty well. I'd said movie two, Zach. So there you go. Yeah. <laughs> so okay. yeah, this like um like this like this is gonna stick with me. Like this is one of the like best stories I've played in a very long time. I, I gotta say that's pretty close to some of the saddest movies that I was uh that I you know would want to show you one day. I think if you can spend time with a story like that where it humanizes the worst where it doesn't humanize, it's like it puts you in the shoes of human beings. Right. There's no, there's decisions. no, at the end, there's no real, like, villain or hero. Like, it's just perspective. Just people who made choices. Right. And who mm-hmm. have influence of those choices, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think, like, for me, I could see why people have a problem with it. Like, Halfway through playing through Abby's side of the weekend in Seattle, like I could, like I had to like pause the game and be like, okay, where am I right now? Because I, I honestly lost track. Um, I don't know if that was just me like having a brain fart, or maybe the like the game was like go, like the game just kept going and going, and I was just like, okay, wait, whoa, hold on, let me stop. It- because I made too, too much, yeah. That'd be something to look uh, to look for if you ever go around lo- looking at people's reviews or when essays start to come out, look and see what people think about right. that. Because that's interesting. Um, it just pays too fast. Now, and too want to know? Want to know what people think of Abby side? It's like so. I saw on Reddit. Like, Chris, you know better than to go on Reddit. Well, okay, for, like, certain pages, if you stick to certain pages like I do, it's fine. But, like, if you're, if you, like, look for, like, stuff, it'll, you'll, like, you'll have a hard time. I don't. 
people. Anyway. Okay. The Last of Us <laughs> 2 Reddit page is completely turned on the game. Um, One of them posted a meme of, okay, if Neil Druckmann did a World War II movie, first half is, like, the bat, like, like, the American side of, like, like, not the American side, like, the Allied powers um, side of, like, Normandy. Okay. And then, like, the second half of the story would be Hitler walking his dog. Which <laughs> pissed me off. No. You're just comparing like Abby to Hitler? I mean, what they're... No, well, yes. Well, I think they get it wrong when they say a phrase like walking the dog. They're not just comparing it to Hitler. They, that person is basically saying they didn't give a crap about what Abby did or why she did those decisions. They didn't like her and could not see past the fact that she killed Joel and didn't want to connect with that character. And so therefore, she was there was no humanity to her. Her decision didn't matter. She was never going to be someone they cared about. Like they made that decision before they even played the game. So that's okay. So like, because no, I would want to see a World War II movie that showed the Allied forces side and then showed the Germany side because I'd love to see how Germany, you know, collapses. I'd love to see those like uh, soldiers that would listen to music mm. and drink wine as they tried to sleep to the screaming voices of children being burned alive. Like, I, how did that happen? What was going through their mind? when the last bullet went through their head like that shit interests me yeah you can do that because they were so-called humans they did inhumane things what was going through their head one of the most famous lines is people who talked about the nazis at that time in auschwitz and everything they were like you can't be a human and do that these people were inhumane there's no something in their minds clicked and they stopped being able to believe in humanity period like that that is interesting to me. I would of course love to see that story, but no, telling that story that you explained and then comparing it to that would be not Hitler walking his dog. That's someone who doesn't understand that those were humans who made human decisions and Nazis. Yes, they were terrible. They were Nazis, but understanding why they made those decisions are also the things that help us understand the worst things about humanity. So, like that literally had me like fuming. Like I was shaking in anger, like how they could like make such a comparison. So, um, like, but like, so what I was thinking was like, this movie challenges. Not this. Oh, I did it. I did it. Okay, we're all dead. Um, this game challenges perspective. Um, like, I'll give like a real world example, like. Like, wrestling is going through its own Me Too movement right now. There's, like, an avalanche of allegations going to several guys, several top people in the industry right now. Um, and the thing that I've struggled with the most, personally, is, like, people are jumping on this bandwagon. There are so many people being accused. And I'm just like, not all of them can be real. I would actually... I... I would say I would say this to that. Um, that well, okay. number is probably actually smaller because wrestling has been around since the fucking eighties, dude. Okay, that yeah, list probably massive. But here's the thing: oh, to I assume think. that the, to assume that this wasn't happening in wrestling uh, already—that's that's the ignorance of bliss. 
to right. assume that this was happening okay. in the first place. Now, all of a sudden, that we're talking about it, it's a big deal, and they're making changes. It's because people are talking about it. But we always knew, even you. Right. Okay. I knew okay. Okay. Like, I I get that. Like, can hold on. Let me finish. Hold on. So, so like, I've been struggling with this. Like, so I'm like, so are we going towards like? Like these people, like you have to take these seriously. At the yes. same time, like, when did people? When are we? Like, is this is this guilty until proven innocent now? Because like that's what okay. I've struggled with. Okay. Well. Um. All right. So. Because like I don't want to come across as a jerk, right? But like I don't want to say that these guys are innocent. Right? I don't want to say that these allegations are okay, false so, at the same time. No, no, but here, here's, the th here's the first thing I would say about this, and I'm going to bring in a couple points. This is the very first thing. You are biased because you love wrestling. That's the first thing you need to admit. It's the first glasses you need to take off. Because you love wrestling, you are entirely biased, biased to the situation. Because you love certain people on those lists, maybe, you are biased. Now, let's take that out of the equation. I'm going to present something to you that happened recently. Justin Bieber was accused by two women and said very specific things happened at a very specific time and dates, and they gave him. And guess what? Justin Bieber came swinging in with receipts, with camera footage, with witnesses. He came up and he's like, I've got evidence. These women are lying. And they were. Like, that doesn't mean that Justin Bieber didn't piss in a mop and probably, like, do some crazy, bad, horrible stuff. Like, look at his face. Look at his face, Chris. And tell me that, tell me that Bieber hasn't done terrible things to younger women. Of course he has. But he had proof. So yes, every every case is not innocent till proven guilty, but we do live in a culture that guess what? The reason me too exists is the phrase me too. Guess what? Somebody spoke up and then everyone else who was too afraid to speak up ever because no one would ever listen to them is now speaking up because it happened to me too. That anger and all of those voices are starting to come out. Am I saying that people aren't going to try and take advantage of it? No, Amber Heard totally broke uh, Johnny Depp's fingers and then turned him into a, a media pariah and then was caught later. She's lost her lawyers and she's losing the case right now. So yeah, people are taking advantage of it. But the whole point is like, I, I can't even stress this enough. There's an article written by one of my favorite film analysts who happened to work in a rape victims clinic. He wrote an entire article about putting you in the shoes of someone who has been raped and has to go there and tell somebody about it. It is one of the most heartbreaking, heartrending, disgusting things I've ever had to read, but it was one of the most important because for so long in so many industries, people have been abused and every time they speak up, powers that be, even their parents will not believe them. We live in a culture now where we just started believing people. And guess what? There's only two camps. The people who have never had it happen to them and don't understand this from any other perspective outside their own and the people who have. Now, there are two classes there. Do you get angry when you see someone kick a dog? Absolutely. When you see injustice in the world as a human being, Chris, I believe you would try to stop it. Now, turns that to 11 with the generation that we have. People who are sick and tired of this shit in everything. Institutionalized racism, the uh, patriarchy, the way that women are treated in every single industry ever. Yeah, they're sick and fucking tired of it. And they're angry. People are angry. Whether they've experienced it or not, everyone is angry. Because it's everywhere. 
because people are talking about it and we're starting to realize how much it is everywhere. So no, it isn't innocent till proven guilty, but that is sadly part of a reactionary experience. That is why when I look into these events, I focus on the people who make their apologies. Like James Gunn apology was perfect. It's why he came back. He was like, look, I did it. I said some crazy stuff. I did it at a time in my life when it was bad, but guess what, guys? That is no excuse. And there are people out there who have been raped who look at my jokes and see their experience. And I am absolutely 110% sorry for that. If you feel that that is a good enough reason to not handle the stories that you are enjoying right now, I will step away because this is bigger than me. This is about the victims, how they haven't been heard, and how the very first thing you need to do is listen to them. And then we need to step away because it's public opinion. All of those wrestlers, it's very important that every allegation is treated seriously. But the most important thing is to not have a wrestling environment that that could ever happen again. It's happened a lot. We all know it. We've all done nothing. Now that people are saying something, everyone's running around and saying we need to change stuff. That's fucked up. But that's what's happening. So, no, it isn't. It isn't that the culture is turning to innocent until proven guilty. It's that everyone is angry and everyone is reacting. But that's not how you change this. The internet gave everyone a voice and so now we're swarmed and our ears are blocked and we're all deaf. The real answer is, if you have a case, look at, take it to court and do the best you can to deal with that. And then when you look at the institution that created it, do the things needed to change it. Wrestling has been fucked up in so many ways other than that, dude. You say it all the time. The, the hit job that happened to that guy when we were talking about Rolls Ready to Rumble. Or we all know that Vince McMahon is one of the worst fucking people alive. We all know it. But we've done nothing. We've asked for nothing other than more entertainment. And they've given it to us. Now it's time that we need to change things. But I agree. We can't do that with a, a bunch of people at once saying, get rid of this person because they're not lawyers. They're not doctors. They aren't, they aren't judges. They aren't people who have been to rape victim clinics. They don't listen to people who've been through all the time. They don't know the experience. They weren't there that night. That's why we have courts. But the biggest problem is nobody believed victims for so long. And they took advantage of that institutions. They're like, oh, people won't believe it. Fathers don't want to hear that their daughters were raped. Parents don't want to hear that their sons were raped. They don't want to hear that stuff. They're just going to look at their sons and daughters and ignore it. And we're going to push that. And that is exactly what's been happening forever. Nobody wants to hear that because everyone hates a story about a rape victim. They want to watch. They want to have fun. They want to watch The Matrix. They want to play The Last of Us where everyone survives and it's a happy ending. That's not the world we live in. We put blinders on that for a reason. And the problem is this is what happens. It's now everywhere. Now people who have had problems, they're stepping up and saying shit. And we're all going, oh, God, like, this is terrible. Like, what do we do? Now it's getting louder and louder, and everyone's getting angrier and angrier. Wrestling should have changed a long time ago, and every one of those cases should be looked into. And the fact that everyone's talking about it on Twitter sucks, but you're not a, you're not a lawyer, and I'm not a lawyer. you got to do the best we can. But what we're talking about as a whole culture, that's, that's going to be crazy for the next five years. There's no way we're going to have a sensibility of how to handle any of these for the next five years because it's all happening. And the reason you can't think clearly about it is because you love wrestling. I swear to God, man, I don't know how to feel about not being able to watch to tell people that I like Baby Driver because more and more people are like dying from it. I, I like one day if I find out my favorite band ever, oh God, that would break my break my fucking heart. 
what would I do? Wrestling should have been changed a long time ago. That's your next step, Chris. That's all you need to worry about. Change the things that allowed this to happen. Why did I bring that up? I don't even remember anymore. Why, why are you upset? Why are you upset? What's wrong? No, I'm just like... I'm in a mourning period with it. I try to, I didn't want to bring that up anyway, so... I don't know why I brought it up in this context. Well, but. Do you think I'm being pretentious, or do you, no. do you not agree with me? No, I just like... No, not that I don't agree. It's just that I just am numb right now, and I just need to... Like, it's, it's going... A- like, wrestling is in hell right now, and, like... It's probably going to be a while before it gets any better. So This is what I would say. The COVID sucks because people are getting hit with the COVID wrestling-wise. It does suck that the events are getting hurt by it and you can't watch it and people can't get the experience that they wanted. Or if they do try to have a crowd full of people, it's scary because it gets people sick. That's a whole other thing. And then there's this. This is a good thing. It is sad. It does suck. It is a horrible thing to think about. It's a good thing. It is 110% a good thing, Chris. I'm not sitting here saying they should demolish wrestling, but this is what gets changes made. People speaking up, things getting looked into, understanding where the real problems were. Things change so that more people get to enjoy what you enjoy. It's a good thing. At the end of the day, this will create things that will make a safer environment for the thing that you love for other people to join. If you had a little sister and she loved wrestling, just like you, and she grew up and she wanted to go to wrestling events and be a wrestler and go, or, or just talk to wrestlers, but you didn't feel safe with her in the locker room, how fucked up is that, dude? She can't meet her heroes because she's a woman. How fucked up is that? We got to change that. This yeah. is a good thing to do that. But yeah, no, the, 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 the fact that everyone has a voice on the internet and everyone is angry about this doesn't help. It just... It drowns everything out, and it makes it depressing for you. Absolutely. But this is a good thing. I don't know why I brought this up in context, is what I was trying to say. Like, hearing all that, just like, okay, why did I... I don't know what... I tried to draw something from The Last of Us 2 to that, but I don't like... Anyway, like, something about perspective. But, like... Anyway, let's just... Let's just talk about... Last but well, all I have to say is, like Zach, you unplugged your earphones again, didn't you? I yeah, my battery has died. Sorry. <laughs> no worries. Okay. Um. Yeah. So. It, it, the, okay. So in terms of perspective of the game, I do get that and where you're trying to go with it. So the last thing that we kind of went on that is because you were wondering if it was innocent until proven guilty, but that's like a whole other thing. But yeah, that was like that was a bad route to take. Like, I don't know where I was going with that. Well, I, I, in terms of the game, yes, it is about there are two sides to every story. Whether that person did something horrible to somebody else, there's a humanity there that is worth understanding. And to to you can't just go ahead and say this person is evil. That Abby is hit. right. Okay, I know what I was going to say. You got to know where I was going. I know where I was going. I think this game came out at the wrong time. Or maybe the best time. But, like, like, okay, so, like... Time, but maybe not time for people to understand it now. I think now's the time to have it happen, and then five years when people are, like, away from all this, they'll be like, you know what, that was a pretty good marker for the time. Right. 
because people want to see the bad guy get got right now. Like, they want that satisfaction. Yep. This game does not give you that. No. It, like, pushes you to... Yeah. To, uh, to, like, understand, like, the other side. And in this particular story, it turns out that the other side was, like, not all that, like... What am I? What's the word? Like, like the like, the other side wasn't all that. Like, um, it wasn't. It wasn't, gr- it wasn't black and white. It wasn't black and white. Like you know, and Fifty Shades of Grey. It was Fifty Shades of Grey. I, I would At say some that, points it actually was. <laughs> um, um, I would, <laughs> not a lot of color in the game. Not a lot of jumping on mushrooms in that game. Uh, there uh, is a part. There is a part of the game where Ellie and Dina have sex in a gr- in a in a grow house. I did hear about that. Yeah. Um, I I think it's it's the sense of justice. Yeah. There, in in life, you don't get justice. In life, you may find out that your sister has been murdered, and then they try a suspect, and that trial may get dismissed, and then you no one cares about the case ten years later. One's do you know all the evidence is gone. Like you'll never find justice. Sometimes life isn't like that. Sometimes the person who did it was totally high off their mind, and then when they go to jail and sober up, they're a completely different person. Like, right. how do you deal with that? How do you respond? Is it the system that changed them? Is it the system that put it there? Is it more than that? It was it a crime passion? Is that person criminally insane? Sometimes you never get those answers. Life is filled with injustices. And a game to explore that at a time where people are demanding for justice. Um, yeah. Well, I think it's um, it, it it's sort of like it is sort of like someone being like uh, the worst thing happens to you and they come by and they're like yeah that's what life is all about buddy I'll see you later. So yeah, it's like this game, like this game really, really, really challenged me because like at the end I was just like at the end I was just. Uh, when I first started this adventure, I'm like, okay, let's go get him. I was not expecting at the end of the game to be like, no, Ellie, stop. No, don't do this. Um, no, the ga- it seems like the game is posing that humans are unable to do what the movie we watched tonight is trying to do for everyone else. Like, the, the movie, there's several characters in the movie that are like, maybe humans and machines need each other, and they should just, you know, be at peace with that. And then there's so many people that are like, nope, I want justice for this. So, uh, yeah, so, um, I ultimately recommend The Last of Us Part 2, though I must stress, I must stress, it is not, repeat, not for the faint of heart. Nice. It will challenge you, it will, like, push you to do things you, like, this game robs you of agency. Interesting. Is what it does. It robs you of choice, and that's that's where it excels. Like, like you as the player are powerless to stop Ellie from doing any of this. Um, and that, that to me is the most compelling thing about it. Yeah, that is a that is a next step uh, in putting yourself in the shoes of a character and empathizing with someone's decisions, because you are also the one who made them. Yeah. Um. So yeah. 
It's not for the faint of heart, but if you got the stomach for it, go for it. It's I, I think it's worth it. Plus, the boycotts didn't work because it sold 4 million copies in three days. Oh, if anything, like the leaks, yeah. I mean, that was going to make people buy it even more, I think, because they're going to be like, oh, wow, it's that bad? Well, I want to watch, I want to play it, see how bad it is. But yeah, it backfired. People liked it. And they're just crying at the end of it. <laughs> Why uh, did I do that? What have I done? <laughs> um, or they make concerts of her playing sad songs on YouTube. Oh, yeah, that. Which are um, pretty good. Again, like the time that the time it would have to take to make some of those songs means that someone took a long time to get her to play that guitar that way. Yeah, it um Naughty Dog is also known for its um Chris, I do wanna uh, I do wanna point something out though. You have to go to bed soon. No. Uh <laughs> it sold four million in three days, but it also had the most amount of returns in GameStop history. <laughs> For use sounds about right, even though nobody goes to GameStop anymore. Actually, that's not true at all. Certainly Why are they failing as a business, Zach? Well, that's true. <laughs> uh, mostly because GameStop doesn't make money off new games; they make money off reselling old used games. Yeah. Okay. There's still one blockbuster out there somewhere. Yeah. There's one blockbuster out there somewhere. Okay. So. For one philosophical game about choice and perspective, let's go to a let's go to a movie about it. Wait, yeah, let's talk about Matrix Reloaded. Okay. Reloaded. All right. So, Alex, before we jump in, so I just want to point out before we go really deep, this is the first of three Matrix movies made in the same year. <laughs> it's one half of a story, though. It is half. Okay. So, Alex, how do the Wachowskis get from the Matrix to here? Is it, or is it just simple? Um, it was a ma- well. The Matrix was a massive hit, and the studios were like, uh, "So we got a jump shot full of money. If you guys have like another movie, <laughs> that'd be great." And, no, and they're like, it, was, it was really just hold like, on. One at a time. Uh, yeah, they were, they were like, we got two movies. We're going to make it big. Um, a lot like Lord of the Rings had happened. Star Wars had happened. Pirates of the Caribbean was getting into this vibe of like, if you're going to make a trilogy or you're going to make more movies, you're going to come back. Come back with two. You know, film two at the time. Make a big epic movie out of it. And uh, that was their goal. They were like, we're, we've got all the money in the world to do whatever we want. We're just going to make this big, massive story. I want to point something out, Alex. Uh, Pirates of the Caribbean came out the same year as Matrix Reloaded. Oh, uh, those are two different movies. And, well, it, but... and it didn't get its sequel till three years after all of this. Yes, but that's because it took three years to make both of those movies at the same time. True. Um, Boy, another that, very making movies at the same time more than one. They were making these big... All of the, the Matrix was inspired by Lord of the Rings. The Lord of the Rings was inspired by Star Wars, and so on and so forth. It was a trend. Yep. Uh, I do want to point something out very intriguingly, though, um, is that the Matrix is the longest-running, um, t- highest-grossing R-rated movie of all time. It has lasted the longest, and it, with it lasting 13 years, 
before it was unseated by Deadpool, which was unseated by its own sequel, which was unseated by last year's Joker. Well, it's always going to have that edge with 13 years. Also, nobody for the longest time between this movie and Deadpool had tried like a massive, successful, big-budget, R-rated movie. Yep. Marvel pretty much sort of was running the game on big-budget movies for a while, so Disney was like pretty much controlling everything. Yep. Not really giving any movies the chance to do it. What's ironic is Disney actually now owns a number two and three now, though. Well, they own everything. They don't own the Matrix. They don't own me. They don't own the Matrix. They don't own it. They don't Alex, own passion Alex, of the place. <laughs> Alex gets a phone call from Morpheus now. Alex, you have to take the blue pill, the red pill, or you could ride Splash Mountain. <laughs> What's in your <laughs> This is a funny joke, right? Um, uh, no, no, no. So, this is a funny joke. So, um, Funhouse, a YouTube channel that I watch, they did a, uh, they did a, they did what they call a, uh, what was it? Um, they did like a scripted gameplay of, uh, they played um, Matrix, um, Enter the Matrix, um, okay. which ties into this movie. Very and. Um, they were all dressed as different characters, and uh, one of them was dressed as Morpheus. <laughs> he was dressed as Morpheus. They were like, and so he just randomly says, "Don't forget to get, don't forget to sign up for your Capital One credit card." And everybody breaks character and starts laughing. <laughs> and they're like, "No, that's Samuel Jackson." That was I was like, that wasn't him. It was somebody else. <laughs> and, then, and so he's so like the the Neo character's like, Neo, what's or like Morpheus. Um, what's your, <laughs> like, Morpheus, what advice would you give when you're fighting an agent? And he just, and he just shouts, what's in your wallet? And everyone just loses it. That is, that is really funny. But that's, uh, what makes it even funny is that the same thing happened in Team America. They have, <laughs> have actors, have actors, like, actual actors fight the, the, the guys of the movie because the actors are bad. So the good guys just start murdering actors. They have Samuel L. Jackson fight a guy, and they're doing kung fu, and it's like, "Quit trying to hit me and hit me!" And the joke is like, they, the, the <laughs> that they can't tell the difference between the two. That most studios wouldn't. That there is no difference between most black actors. <laughs> so, so yeah. Um, <clears throat> uh, sorry, I had to let that one out. Um. Anyway, this movie, Matrix Reloaded, came out in 2003. Wow, uh, okay. Um. <laughs> well, I, well, to be honest, like, that pretty much is the story. Like, everyone was on board with the Wachowskis. They were like, like everyone signed on without a, a doubt. Most, like, a handful signed on without even seeing a script. They were just like, really? Okay, you want me? Cool, cool, I'm in. Whatever you do, like. Gonna have my character have sex with a donkey? Cool, whatever. I'll do it. I'm signing. Like Matrix. But everyone was on. Like they just gave them everything in the world to do it. It just took a year to pre-production, a year for shooting, and then a year of post-production. So it literally took three years to make these two movies of all um, of their lives. So my question to you, Chris, would be: How do you, how did you like it this time around? Uh, Boy, this one is rocket science. So, 
Um, so I watched it right, and um, as as uh, as you do um, with a movie, you watch it. Um, so this felt like there was, like uh, I was going through it, and I'm like, what are we? What's why are we here? I didn't like, like, what is like, what are we building towards here? Because like, when you fr- when you start the movie, it's six like what what six months after the six first months. movie. Yeah, six months. Which is incredible to get that kind of head of hair, um, Neo, in the real world. Um, That's true. So, I was watching it. And, like, first off, um, Zion Orgy is weirder than I remember. Um, of course it is. I, I like it this time around. This is why, you, this is why fellow musicians out there, you don't slander the percussionists. Okay? This is we- what they could do by themselves. This is the kind of raves they could start. True. True. You just need some like drums, man. Giant drums in a cave. Get a cave. Uh, I I thought a whole the lot of ecstasy. Anyway, that, um, I thought the grossest thing about that is that you have to take your shoes off to go in there. Oh yeah. Everyone like Mouse takes his shoes off and then everyone's barefoot and I'm like that's gross. It's a cave. Also, it's like it was so much more wet and steamy and sweaty yeah. than I remember it being. I'm like, what? Yeah. Well, I mean, they're in a cave. They're in a cave, several miles underground, no sun, no oxygen. Okay, yeah, okay, yeah, that makes sense. They had oxygen, yeah, they have machines for that. But I, I would say, um, uh, I don't, I don't, it is weird. It is weird, but also it's incredibly, like, celebratory, and it is, it is yeah. I get it, and I think maybe, like, I get the vibe of it now, because I'm in the world of that sort of thing, but, like, also, the way that, like, Naomi's, like, uh, she goes to Morpheus, and she's, like, um, I used to remember you dancing, and then I just imagined them just, like, grinding super hard with, like, five other people, and I'm, like, some things never change, Naomi. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, yeah, it's not, it's not an orgy, but it is a lot of just close, sweaty grinding. Like, everyone, like... The fact that the guy that later that night, uh, the chairman and Neo are just chilling out, watching, uh, just like in an empty, like the city is silent. It's because everyone's in their room having sex. <laughs> and here's another thing, like this is another, another Wednesday night. <laughs> exactly. Like I, I thought it was really odd too that like Neo and uh, Trinity immediately like start making out in the. Uh, elevator but they don't have time to be with each other on the ship there's only four people on that ship and there's two of them they're half no, the here's ship. the problem here's the problem they've gotten complaints is what i'm thinking they have made so much noise there you that ship used to hold five other people there used to be nine people on that yeah, ship they have an entire end of that ship to go fucking like what why why aren't like if anything if they go to zion no here's a, what they do Waiting for them at every turn. Like, there's no privacy there. No, here's what they do. They have all the privacy. They have that percussion song 
on like some kind of like music player and they blast that throughout the ship as they're bounding. <laughs> oh man. Well, I I also th- I was also gonna think like, hey, maybe Chris, this is get your mind out of the gutter, you son of That's a. That's the only song they can screw I'm to. The okay? brought it up. I'm the one who brought it up, and my mind's always in the gutter. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, it's in the tree. Get out I- of there. Expect that from you, not from Chris. Chris, get your mind out of the gutter. Uh, Chris, it's the right place to be. Uh, I, <laughs> come down, come down, come down to our level. Uh, I, uh, I, 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 I executive middle school will do that to you anyway. I will, I will say this though. Morpheus's speech is pretty awesome. Yes. We are not afraid. Um, what else? Michael Nivquest, God rest his soul. Um. Well, he throws everything out the window, doesn't he? The architect. The architect, yes. Um, so I I, I watched a few videos that kind of helped me uh put the, put a lot of this together, and I do appreciate the story more now. I also think that the movie meanders too much around these themes. But I, I was do... about to say, like when I was watching, I'm like, there's got to be something to this that I'm missing. There's just so much, like, being thrown at my face about literally nothing that's going on right now. But I, like, like, it felt like something was there, but I just could not get it. So I'm glad that you're bringing this to the table. So there, there is uh, an old Hindu uh, belief that the, uh, the universe is driven by um, everything coming from a source, a universal source. Everything comes from it. And there can, at a certain point, things become off balance. And when they do, the only way that they can be, come back in harmony is if a savior or messiah-like figure goes back to the source in sacrificial uh, process. Way before Jesus. So this is like, it's been around for a bit. That is what it's taking. So there's a lot of references to that um, decision that he has to make at the end of the movie. Like, watching this again, like, the, everything makes sense. But they're also just kind of talking about things a little bit too much. Like the Merovingian sitting there and just spouting about the themes is boring because it doesn't get you anywhere. But when he's talking to the Oracle, all of that makes sense. Every single bit of it. And all of it, it gets you to the idea of like understanding that both him and Smith are the same. Like Smith uh, was supposed to go to his source, but couldn't. He defied it. And he is now taking away the purpose of everyone around him because Neo took away his purpose. He's specifically trying to take away Neo's purpose because his purpose is to save everyone. and He wants everyone to lose purpose now. Neo does the exact same thing. He is meant to go to the source and defies it in his own selfish reason. And in doing so, we get the events of revolution. So everything is about these two opposing forces for different reasons out of balance. They need to be in harmony, and they're not. Smith is supposed to be a part of the system, but his refusal to do it and burn everything down is destroying everything. Neo was supposed to be a part of the system, but because he is too human, he is able to make the decision that nobody would make. And at the end of the day, he is, he is doing it for more, I guess, in our view, honorable, because he, he feels like he can not only save Trinity, but also I think he feels like he can save everyone. He's willing to go back and tell Morpheus that it's all uh, bullshit. That he was just another form of control. And then the movie takes a turn that I haven't really wrapped my head around, and that is he can control robots in the real world. Right. That's that's what threw me off. 
Well, I we're not there yet. That's what I'm realizing now. I'm like, this movie was to basically tell the story of the first movie, but different. In the first movie, it's your standard hero's journey, and the themes are all to build the world until you get to the last 30 minutes of action. But they didn't know they were going to make another movie after that. And when they did, they were like, we're going to tell, like, the decision is, the, the first movie is about he is the one who's going to save us all. We'll never see that, guys. But this is the story about how he became that person. Uh, this is a Superman movie. This is a movie about a guy who has all the abilities, can do everything, but he, he has no purpose. He doesn't know what his reasoning for any of this is. He, he you know, what, what's the, he has to wait for the Oracle. It's to wait for the Oracle to tell him what to do. And then right. she says, it's choice. You have to decide something that you don't want to deal with. You either save everyone or you save one person and they all die. It's a very Superman choice. You can't save everyone, Superman. What are you going to do? And what does he do? He does the most Superman thing ever. He tries to save everyone. So it's, it's actually, this turns out to be like one of the best Superman movies that's not a Superman movie. This is like um, <laughs> the incredible Fantastic Four. But in yeah. terms of, like, in terms of, uh, Nar uh, narrative flow everything is set up for two reasons a morpheus is wrong that the, that what happens if you're wrong that's why all the zion stuff is hilarious you're watching this guy be a, just an absolute cockbag to morpheus but he's got a good reason and then when you get to the end of the movie and you're like morpheus was wrong it's like you understand why he felt it so earnestly that it destroyed his relationship with the woman he loved and guided his life to the, where he is now However, you're wrong, dude. And Zion's going to go down hard. And they, they may have a fight, but who knows now? And on top of that, Neo can control machines. That's great, but now he's in a coma somewhere. So like this, where the story goes next, this is where I'm starting to get a little bit shaky. As for everything up to him meeting the architect and making that decision to save her is perfect. It's the ending of the last movie. She kissed him and he came to life in the last movie after dying. He reached inside her stomach and pulled out the bullet and started her heart again. Right. Like, it's the same thing, but it's a different idea. Um, but the, pro like, the problem is they take moments. I don't mind the times that they're setting up for the next movie. Like, when they go see the Merovingian, you see the family that Neo meets at the train station. They're leaving the Merovingians. Oh, I noticed that. Now and I like, just remembered that. I was wondering who that guy was. That stuff is great. That like the but probably my favorite conversation of the whole movie is between Neo and the chairman. When the like he, it's such a it reminded me a lot of the the scene in episode three that everyone loves with about um, Dark Sidious and all that stuff. Uh, it, it's just the, the it's tragedy so of Darth Plagueis. Oh yeah, um, that, that scene reminded me a lot of this. Where it was just, there's a lot of meat to it, and it's just basically two people talking about it. But these two people have a reason to talk about it, and they have a reason to explore these themes in the way that they do. But uh, having the Merovingian just sit there and, and doubt stuff, I think, was weak. And then I think the, the other biggest problem for me. Wait, not is, even like. Hold on, you. Okay, no, go I, ahead. We're not brushing over the Merovingian. There's one thing that we need to talk no, about with him. No, no, no. Oh, you're good. The cake scene, sure. But, like, I, I think the other problem that I had is I like the idea that there are werewolves and ghosts, that there were, that those were elements of past Matrix things. I hate the fact that they just double down on it and create werewolves and vampires and ghosts. Because the per Persephone scene where she just kisses him, I understand it's world building, but, like, I don't care about these people. 
they don't even affect the third movie that much. So like, I it's I think it's doubling down on an idea that's too goofy. And yeah, like I'm away. Was, like with Persephone, like that's probably like the least subtle like thing I've seen out of the movie so far. Yeah. So. To, to do a bit of a lore dive here, obviously, because... Are you going to explain to me how the Merovingian had sex with a woman with her eating cake? Because that's, like, uh, that's what I think happened. It's, uh, he, didn't, he didn't have sex with her with eating a cake. She ate a cake that he d- dosed with an aphrodisiac, and then he had sex with her. That. Um, <sighs> but, um, no, uh, to go off the, um, the whole... Um, thing that uh alex uh was talking about about the werewolf thing um the beauty of second renaissance and and the matrix uh kind of expanded stuff is that it it does help explain a little bit of that not too much but enough um so alex i know you saw uh second renaissance uh chris did you end up getting a chance to watch it or no the second renaissance is that one of the matrix shorts (laughs) yeah it's the animatrix short hold on I think I, I would, have. I would say, Chris, like, watch them now because that's when they're, they're intended to be watched is between yeah. these next few movies. Like, just go on YouTube and most of them are on there. Yeah. Uh, I watched, like, I watched, like, Stuckman's review of it, like, a while ago. Watch the thing. Watch the stuff. The it's, like, 18 minutes. It's really good. It's short. It's fun. It's it, it, it has a lot of great... It helps reinforce a lot of the themes that were kind of given suppository style. Um, well, you also get things like the Last Call of the Osiris, and you get uh, other things that tie into these movies, and yeah. it, it just keeps you in the world of the Matrix. I think that like yeah. you have to, but at the same time, I'm going to watch them just to be in, just to get you know, stay in the world. I think it's fun, but like um, in, no. in terms of the uh, Merovingian, or, or in terms of the werewolves and stuff, like I don't mind that they put it, like I don't mind if they take the time to explain it, and I like the idea. But where they put it in this film, for the reason they put it in this film. No, I agree. I agree. I 100% agree with you. Where they put it and how they put it was stupid. But um, the beauty is that it's explained in The Matrix Online, the MMORPG built around the Matrix universe, that does a good job of explaining what happens after Revolutions and explains lots of what happens before the first Matrix. Um, And so basically, uh, so as we know, Neo is the sixth incarnation of the One, right? Where is he the... Nope, he is the sixth. Anyways, he's the sixth incarnation of the one. Prior to the six incarnations of the one, there were two prototype matrixes, which we have had explained in this movie. There's the Paradise one, and then there's the Nightmare one. That is explained by the architect. He literally said it. We had two prototypes and six versions, right? Yep. So The six six versions are anomalies caused by the decision to make... uh, Paradise and Nightmare. Which is insane! So, so Chris, that's the robot thinking. That's, Chris, how, robot, the, that's why they oh. created the Oracle in the first place is because they couldn't think of anything other than black and white. They cre- created an intuitive program to go, you know what you need to do? You need to give the humans the choice to believe the world that you've given like, them. Which that is the a, that so, was, so, so what I'm saying is that's an insane twist. No, it's great. Uh, so I'm not like, saying that in a negative way. I'm just like, well, I agree. I agree. Wow. I, I really no. liked it once I finally understood it. So, Chris. After you watch Second Renaissance at the very end, we do get to see a brief glimpse of Paradise Matrix. Um, but Nightmare Matrix is 
in accordance to the the uh, the stuff and what the, since Bukowski's wrote the story to Matrix Online, all that, um, it is the version of the Matrix that birthed the Merovingian, the twins, the Train Man, and all the werewolves and ghosts and ghouls and oh my's, um, and so uh, so the Paradise Matrix is the origin of of the agent programs where they were guardian angels basically, and they were repurposed to their new job. And then the Merovingian and basically the black market and all that was created from the nightmare matrix. And in the first version when they made the decision of, we need to give them the choice to leave if they want. And that choice leads to a 99% acceptance rate. That's what they want. And, um, it, it, and a lot of this is getting into like Matrix Revolution stuff and, and a lot of stuff that's explained in a lot of the other material. But um, it's. I mean, you, I, I, yeah, I, I like the idea that um, that makes Smith, Smith like a fallen angel. Like, like yeah. uh, 80s. Yeah. Not Hades, sorry, uh, just the devil, straight up devil. Yeah. And, that, and, and it, it really creates with the allegory of what, what's going to happen to Neo in the next movie even a lot in this movie it really helps uh the parallelisms a lot too is that smith is basically a fallen angel because that is what the agents kind of are that sounds like they are that yeah well they are they they just are um well it's like well it's like dogma explains it too that yes um the angels have felt bad for humanity and he cast them aside after they decided to defy god the whole point is an angel can't defy god but, uh, that's also Paradise Lost too. Um, yeah. But I, again, I love the world. I really do. But the question on my mind is how they are applied to the actual films themselves. And they're not applied very well, I'll admit. No, it's not that they're not applied very well. It's that they're applied ambitiously and clumsily. That's it. Like, I like this stuff now. I'm loving this stuff in Reloaded now. I like I love it. I liked I never saw the parallels between uh, Smith going to the source and Neo going to the source and then making the exact same decisions for entirely different reasons. And then also how you can make that a parallel to Christianity and Hinduism and all these other things. That's incredibly intelligent. It's the yeah. fact that they have the Merovingians sit there and be like, It's the why. Do you understand the why? And I get that they're trying to hide the fact that he knows the real decision that he has to make, but it's like, I get it. And then he makes a woman like eat a cake and like come while she's like sitting at dinner with other people. And it's like, what are we doing right now? Yeah. Like you, you have you're wasting my time. And I'm like, okay, I can accept it because he says the phrase that, that swearing in French is like wiping your ass with silk. I love it. That is an amazing quote. That is enough to save the Merovingians scene. I feel bad that Persephone's scene is there because, A, that's not the first time Monica has been used that way in a movie. Um, I, I forgot her last name, so I didn't say it. It's not like I know her personally. But I think it's Monica Vicelli. I, she was in um, Spectre. Lewinsky? No, no, no. Oh. Uh, 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 <laughs> I would understand if Bill Clinton did what he did for her. I'll tell you that much of that. <laughs> uh, but she did the same thing in Spectre where um, she, like James Bond just meets her at her husband's funeral, then he has sex with her and gets information, and then she's just sort of gone from the movie forever. It's like, why do, why do, why do people keep wasting this really good actress just because she's beautiful, I guess? But I really hate the fact that she is there to do this whole, like, I'm going to get back at my husband thing for fun just so you can get the key master. 
when the guy just sat there and made a speech for no reason. Like it was just a long back words way for him to say no. And then the wife helps and that's it. That's all that scene is for a thing that we still like, you need to get the key. You need to get the key master, which is basically you need a key to open a door. You go to. I a think guy, that is where that's the point where I started to fall off the rails. And then when the architect came, I'm like, "What?" <laughs> I was still trying to like. Um, I like. I, felt, what I also don't like how they're saying it. Yeah, I also felt a little disconnected that we are six months removed from the first movie. And we are we as an audience are experiencing Zion for the first time, but Neo isn't. I kind of disagree with that choice. Why? I would have I would have liked to have seen because then I can because the, I don't know just that little extra connection to Neo. Then I, I think that's a nitpick. I do get what you're saying that it like the moment of him opening the doors and you seeing him go, oh, this like, is I just, Zion. Like, I felt well, a little disconnected. Uh, I don't think so. I don't feel like it. Um, but at the end of the day, the only reason I think that is is because you spend so much time there with other characters, experiencing the world. You get to go to a party. You get to meet the president. You get to meet the military advisor. You get to meet a kid. Like, all of these people are important because, guess what? They're going to be a huge chunk of the third movie, baby. So, like... <laughs> I, at the end of the day, the reason that he is, you're not experienced in this place through his eyes is because they have two different stories. These stories diverge. If he, if you, his connection to them at the beginning can't be your connection because he's the, he doesn't end up there. He fights for them in the matrix. He's the guy who fights in the matrix, not Zion. You need to experience Zion, the city without him because, Hey, guess what? This was a city without him and it's going to have to defend itself without him. That, that, to me, is the smarter decision at the end of the day. I do get what you're saying, but if you're going to be more than a month after the first movie, he's, he had to have seen it. He has to right. have seen Zion at least one. And it makes it even more important because every time he goes there, he never feels like he belongs there. He's a god there. He can't be normal there. There's always someone at his door either giving him a gift, saying hello, saying thank you, or they need him for a military reason. He can't be a person there. Everyone else, though, that's their home. That's not his home. His home is the Matrix, really. I would say his home is the Neverknesser, which is why I don't... Oh, no, his home is Trinity, I guess. The movie is saying his home is Trinity. It's I, not I also like to point out that, like, it further um, alludes to the fact that he's half-programmed, is that he feels more at home with either Trinity or in the Matrix itself. Yes, that's probably true, too. Uh, but, the, I mean, the film is constantly... He is half-programmed, but he is also a person. He's a human. Yeah. He's a human with a program that was put inside his brain. Because he had the brain that was going to do that. It, like, they, I, it's hard to say whether they bred him that way, or they just knew he was the one that was going to do it and put the program in his head. I don't know if that's explained in the next movie or the Animatrix stuff. I'm going to have to watch and see. But, like, that was something I was wondering. Like, was he human and just had the brain to be able to hack that well? The computers knew it, and that was their – they put the program in him. Or they put the program in him, made him the one, and he is defying it regardless because of his humanity. And at the end of the day, I guess the point is there is no difference. I was going to say, I don't think there's really a difference other than the fact that at the end of the day, whether they knew or 
he just had it and they knew that he was going to have it. It Like, I don't think it really matters at the end of the day, does it? It it is. I I think it makes it interesting, but the quest, like, the humans are constantly going, you're still human. But the the movies are constantly saying, dude, you're part programmed. You're you're part of a bigger thing that was part of these rules and these boundaries, a system that you're supposed to adhere to. In other words, let's say it's this movie, this, this movie basically ends like, um, the beginning of Last Temptation of Christ. It's like Jesus realizing that he's going to be murdered in the garden, and he's half the son of God, but he was also birthed by a woman, and he decides he doesn't want to go through with it. That's what this movie is basically saying. What if Jesus decided he wasn't going to die for all of humanity on their terms and decided to live as a person on his own? He makes the selfish decision. Um which would be the human decision, which is one of the most interesting things about Last Temptation of Christ. They use a different allegory here, but it is the same. He's part God, part human, and he's given a choice to die by somebody else's rules, and he decides to be a human instead. You know, uh, like, I, I think that's why they don't lean on Christianity entirely for that reason. Fair enough. But no, there's a lot, like, that's the thing. There's a lot of things, there's a lot of thematics to this. How they choose to give it to the audience, the Merovingian, I think is just sort of clumsy and stupid. And the architect, I think, is just, I, I think they're meant to be, I think he's meant to be a pompous asshole. He's meant to be so pretentious that you hate him, but it clouds what he's trying to say. It's such an impactful thing. It changes the story so immensely, but it's also explaining this lore dump at the same time. And you're like, I hate this guy. I hate how he's talking. What is he saying? What? It's crazy. Oh, I don't like this. Joel dies? Son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't have The thing yeah, is... The Last this, of Us 2 is in the Matrix, guys. <laughs> I, this movie needs to be watched a bunch to be able to really yeah. get how many times they are talking about like how how all of this is there. It really is, but you have to watch it a lot to do it. Yeah. And like, when you watch it a lot, you start to notice where the clumsy parts are. And then I, the ending, I think, just sort of wipes it into a different area that like, I can't wrap my head around yet because I, I, I need to rewatch. I need to see the new rules. I know that train station scene explains a lot. I know there's more lore dump there. So I, I, I'm, I don't know how, to, how I'm dealing with him controlling machines in the real world yet. I, I forgot how that works. All I seem to remember is how Zion defends itself in the story arcs there, which I think are great, and his fight with Smith, which I'm look, kind of looking forward to again this time. Um, so, like, when you say, like, um, like, you're, like, you're right when you say um, this movie needs to watch a ton. Like, when, after I watched it today, I'm like, God, I should have seen, seen this before today. I really should have, like, because, like, there's a lot that I missed. Like I said, when I, like I said at first, like, this feels like rocket science in some ways. Um, yeah, I feel like the architect for sure need, is, needs to be watched a bunch to sort of get how the machines expected him to make his decisions. But there's just a lot of things that lead up to it in every single scene. Like, the very fact that there's a scene in the highway chase where Morpheus, the, the fact that there's an arc where Morpheus is like, Link, you have to trust me. 
And then later they get on the freeway and Leek's like, I don't think you should do that. And he's like, Leek, what did I say? He's like, trust you. And then he immediately hangs up the phone and she's like, you said never get on the freeway. He's like, let's just hope I am wrong. Guess what? You're wrong about everything. And we have to hope that because if you were right, all of Zion would have died. Yeah. Uh, I do want to say, though, Alex, uh, the fact that uh, Neo is part program does help explain why he can do control the robots a little bit. The machines, but his body is flesh. But he has he's a program. He's using well that we don't know how that was applied. Was he a, was he bred that way by the machines to be the one, or was he okay? Okay, so in that logic, Zach, in, him. in that logic, Zach could um could Smith in that one guy's human form control robots then. Probably. Uh, it would make uh, parallelisms wise. What do you mean, control robots? Uh, well, like, well, I mean, like, like what Neo did. No. Because, because hmm. uh, I mean, well, we never get an opportunity to see it. Honestly, no, we don't. We just don't get that chance. I would say based. Also, on... this is one of the best cliffhangers out there. No, I agree. I would say based on the evidence that we've been given from the storyline, what we know about the parallelisms, I would guess probably yes, because they are just two sides of the exact same coin, basically. Yes, except for the fact that he doesn't go ahead and do that. Like, he knows that Neo can do it because they end up fighting each other physically on the ship. That's how Neo gets blinded. Um, True. But, but he doesn't inhabit another body and then go to the machine world and then try to control machines if he knows he can do that and he has a bunch of smiths why doesn't he just take over all of the people who can go well actually no one's in the matrix at this point you could just take care of take all the human beings get out of the growth field and then go fight robots although they couldn't see with their eyes that never worked and shit like that now, everything was against him on that point so whether he could be able to do it or not doesn't matter <laughs> He never made the decision to try. His only decision yeah. was to kill. If Neo dies, he can't make the choice in the architect's place. But he makes the wrong one. So Smith gets the opportunity to just run wild in the Matrix. And he knows that if he does that, then the machines can't use the Matrix to their, uh, to, for their own purposes down the line. Even if they do destroy Zion and get a few people to make more growing later that aren't going to remember any of this. They don't have the Matrix anymore. Smith has taken it over. And if Smith takes over that, my guess is he would probably use that to take over the robots. Um, but he wants yeah. death for everyone. So even if he could take over the robots and like use that same power, it drained Neo as a human. But it sent him to the Matrix mentally. So yeah. he, uh, like, even if he did, could he control all the robots with every single person he sends back to the Matrix? Like, that's an interesting, that's an interesting thought. But he just doesn't want to. He just wants the world to burn, I guess. Yeah, he's kind of the Joker yeah. in that sense. How he does it is interesting. I, yeah. I do say. Um. Oh, what else was I gonna? Do say? we have anything else we want to talk about real quick about this move before we start grading? Dang! It oh is, gosh! It is filled with um black actors. I yeah. love it. Um, hey, hey, you know you know who dies randomly for no reason without any idea? A, a shit filled with white people. I love it. 
I was like, I, like, who's saving the day? A bunch of black people. And then they cut to a ship filled with people that are supposed to help, but then, you know, a, a, the robots blow it up and then people accidentally fall off railings and stuff. All white people. All of them. I was like, awesome. They're the token people that died. This was Take 17 it. years ago. Hell yeah. Um, I will say that a lot of people in Zion really like it, uh, really like uh, taking it from the back door. I will say that. Um, I'm sorry. I did notice that. Um, you, you listen, are... that, listen, that, like, like that or... orgy scene was, like, I was just, like, so, it was so funny and so weird at the same time. I was just, like, First okay. Of all, you, got, you got to go to, like, Carnival, brother, because that's basically what they do there. But, like, it wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't a bunch of anal sex. It was just a bunch of dry humping that got wet because of the sweat. Like, no one's having sex there. Which and the only reason I feel that way is because they well they they're are, not really trying are they? <laughs> the people who are trying are Neo and Trinity. That's why that's why I think the filmmakers are trying to do, differentiate things. They're like if Neo and Trinity wanted to have sex in an orgy, they just joined the orgy out there. But it's not an orgy; it's just a lot of grinding. The real sex is happening over here. I think they're trying to make that difference with the movie. But in the back of our minds, like. I think it's just that those two just didn't want to fuck with everyone else. Like, of course everyone wants to fuck Neo. He's Good the God, one. They were really going for it, too. Uh, I think it's just a bunch of grinding. Just, like, carnival, <laughs> just, like, thing closed, no one cares, dry humping. Good old-fashioned middle school dry humping. Yeah. <laughs> I don't condemn uh, it. It's true. Oh, um... I do want to say, uh, Harold Pennyet, is that how you pronounce his name? Oh, God, guys, stop. Oh, stop the Harold. phone right here from right right now. Talk about Harold. the highway scene. Oh, oh. I, think, I wanted to use Zach's for a second just because it, it relates okay, to what we're doing. We, I, I was going to do a whole section for the highway scene, of course. Because okay. I have questions for, for sure. Um, uh, but yes, Harold Peru. Uh, I first saw him in... Um, Romeo plus Juliet as Mercutio. I yep. was so happy to see him in the Matrix, and then later when he gets on Lost, for sure. So my my oh, order. Wait, 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 is, unfortunately, unfortunately for me, the order I saw it in was Lost, then Romeo plus Juliet, then the Matrix. Uh, it, either way, they're all good. I mean, Lost was a big thing for everybody, but like yeah. I just had a young, my brother and sister loved that movie, and I loved the soundtrack of that movie. But he in Romeo plus Juliet stands out. He is a great Mercutio. And to see him play this kind of lo-fi guy and kill a lot of these one-liners just really subtly. Like, yeah. the moment where he comes in and his wife's like, oh, he's going to get it. He gives his little – at the last second, he gives an extra look. And I was like, you know what? Really Wait, subtle Z? and really good. Uh, his wife, yeah. Oh! I'm not going to lie. I'm a fan of Baz Luhrmann. Like, he, I just – great um and amazing i first off chris if you ever actually want to see like a great romantic comedy go see baz Luhrmann's romeo plus juliet it's great um comedy the one one with uh, leo dicaprio because that is a comedy in all the wrong ways uh Um, well it's a a, a crime tragedy but whatever let me guess you're basing that off of somebody's review no, I've actually seen like five minutes of it. I'm like, no, this isn't for me. Oh, you've seen five wait, minutes wait, wait, of it. Wait, wait, wait. So I was going to say, you saw the first five minutes, correct? No. What did you see? It was, we were somewhere in the middle. Me and my family were like, what is this? They is turned this the scene? channel. Is it the scene where they're all at the party dancing? No. Uh, 
It was the scene. It was like it was a scene on a beach. The sheriff was there and like something like that. And they were like they were actually like reciting lines from the actual Romeo and Juliet. That was the whole movie. No, the, and whole the movie, movie was set in the eighties. Yeah, I think. Like, but they all the lines are so that really threw us off. Okay, I'm putting Romeo plus Juliet on the curiosity wheel one day. For sure. God in heaven. Yep. Chris. Is the thing. No, it is Romeo and Juliet. They aren't reciting the lines in that one scene. No, the whole movie is William Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet. It is the whole movie is is the actual uh, play. play done in the 1980s starring Leo DiCaprio. No, it's not 1980s. It is sure. the normal 1990s when they shot it. But at the same time, yeah, it it's in California on Venice, and they they have crime boss fathers. It's modernized for the 90s, but um, no, it is the same time. Put it on the backlog. It's 110% Shakespeare. So, like, yeah. I would suggest we watch it just so you can see that. But also, Baz Luhrmann is a... I would say the movie's comedy is not good. Like, oh, it's not good comedy. I would say that. That's because Shakespeare wasn't very good at comedy, though. No, we're going to watch the movie, and you're going to see that it's just not done well. It's the editing. It's the... Like, Jamie Kennedy's in it. Like, it's not... It doesn't work. They put... Jay, John Leguizamo, though, is amazing. Leo right, is really good. Claire Danes is really good. There's a lot of really good performances in it because it is legit. 110%. Paul Rudd plays... Uh, yeah, Paul Rudd's in it. It's, it's great. The movie's just um, awesome. Like, um, you've got to see this movie. It's, it's but great. He, but Mercutio is really, really good. good. Watching him watching going, going off and like, like juggling his gun around on the beach, but also reciting like a plague on both your houses. Like he's so good. He's so good in it. So to see him in the matrix was uh, awesome for me. Yeah. Uh, but the highway chase, let's go to that. Highway. Ch oh my God. <laughs> okay. This was awesome. Mm -hmm. um, it took me a little while while I was watching it to realize how awesome it actually was. Nice. Um, I think it escalates just as well as the last 30 minutes of the first movie. Yes. <laughs> you go from the chase to the um, motorcycle. Oh, God. The motorcycle's so good. Like, driving in incoming traffic is... It, it turned my stomach. How many miles of... Wait a minute. How many, how, how many miles of highway did they make for this, for this uh, scene? I don't, I don't remember, but it was, was a Was it lot. like three miles? Two miles? Not only did they... They took the sets apart, and then they sent the wood to Mexico, and they built houses with it. They built legitimate neighborhoods with how much leftover set they had from this movie. Wow. Yeah, it was a lot. Um, so, I, yeah, I love the fact that it goes from the chase to the motorcycle to the samurai to the samurai sword fight on the uh, top to the ending with the trucks hitting each other. Uh, it escalates so much, so well. Great scene. L literally, people. Like, like Chris, people, we, we, when I was in college and we were studying action scenes, like, this is the movie we watched to study them. Like, this is how you do it. This is, this is, like, pinnacle action at its absolute finest. Correct. Uh, what, what other movie? Chase and Burly Brawl scenes were filmed at the decommissioned Naval Air Station Alameda in Alameda, California. The producers constructed a one-and-a-half-mile freeway on the old runway specifically for the film. Um, some portions of the chase were also filmed in Oakland, California. The tunnel shown briefly at the is the Webster Tube, which connects to Oakland and Alameda. 
Uh, around 97% of materials from the sets of the film were recycled after production was completed. For example, tons of wood were sent to Mexico for, to build low-income housing. That's nice. So, so one and a half miles at an Air Force base. So a few... I ha- This is what I wanted to ask last time that I didn't... Because I forgot. Um, okay. What is your favorite special effect moment from The Matrix? And what is your favorite moment of The Matrix? My favorite moment... Uh, I debate a lot, but I it, it I want it to be when he shows up with the helicopter and shit gets crazy. But I think it's when Neo gives him the the Morpheus hand wave to Smith. That move that moment gets me every time. Uh, but my favorite special effect is when the helicopter hits the building. My, that's my, really close. That that's uh. probably a special effect. But yeah, what are yours for the first movie? Uh, it has to be when um, when Neo first, like the whole mirror thing, when uh, when Neo first exits the Matrix. Wow! Like that whole thing, like cr- like just like ah, uh, like that whole thing, like broke me when I first saw it. I'm like, and then the scene there, I'm like, yep, still creepy. And then the whole like sound that. Those like digitized like yell that he makes as you're going yeah. into his mouth and becomes code. That's a good. That's a good. That like that. That one. That's the kind of stuff that I like. Um, uh, so favorite moment. Yeah. When he gets back up for being shot by Smith. That whole scene, yeah. like when that when that plays out from the first movie. That definitely. Yeah. That's that gets me. The the whole hand wavy gesture to to, to uh, Smith. That was pretty good too. Uh, how about you, Zach? So I'm 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 a I'm a unfortunate I'm a classic fan nerd of the fan nerdiness and uh, the original bullet time scene was like pinnacle, great, Just, yeah, game changing, game beyond the fact that it's game changing, um, and then um, and the other big one is when he stopped the bullets for the first time. That one was, yeah, that's pretty fun. Stopping the bullets for the first time was like super duper cool. Um, and then from this movie, mine's a little bit nerdier just because I'm I I studied special effects a lot, so I it's I so much more special effects in this. Yeah, the one in this one because I have a bunch in this one I like. Um, first mm-hmm. off, uh, is the uh, Neil Smith fight with the clones. Okay. Okay, I have to admit. I liked the fight, but it looked like a video game cutscene. I'm not gonna lie. I have another question for that later. Um, and then um, the other one is um when they are escaping the Merovingian, and he like does the bullet stop, but it's like a lot more bullets this time. Yeah, that one was great. And then um, the twins' ghost effect is always really cool. It really is. And then uh, like um. And then, like, when uh, the agent, like, jumps on the car and it, like, smashes the car and he, like, jumps and, like, flies at him. Oh, God, dude. Like, I could name, like, shot after shot after shot from this movie that's just, like, gorgeous CG going at it. Yeah, I gotta say, for me, in this movie, it's super hard to think of which CGI moment I love. Um... I guess the CGI 
There's hundreds the, of shots, really. I have a lot, and I, I think I'm going to go to these two. Uh, none of them have to do with the story, which kind of sucks, but I love... My favorite effect is the, is the smith jumping on the car. That gets me every time. I love so it. That's cool. so good. So cool. It, it is... Throughout that movie, they're, I don't, I'm not afraid of the smiths. I'm afraid of smith. The, 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 I'm sorry. I, I'm not afraid of the agents, but I'm afraid of Smith. He's the one that can push things. We just saw him fight a bunch of them. So, like, he is, he is a problem for Neo. The agents, not really. They may be problems for Morpheus and Trinity, but uh, they never really frightened me until they did that. Like, once he jumps on the car, I was like, oh, oh my God. That's right. Yeah, like that, that, car, that car jump. Oh, just, just reminds me. Beautiful. Uh, my other thing is, I love in this movie this when people transform into agents. They they look it's such a better effect this time, and yes. they they warp their faces to make them look like the faces that get warped in the movie The Thing. It's a it's a reference I just caught, and I was like, oh my gosh, these are great. And then um, my favorite moment is when she drives the motorcycle into oncoming traffic. It affects me like nothing else. It's it legit frightens me. That's yeah, terrible. that is pretty. It's pretty insane. <laughs> oh man. Uh, I mean, I don't know if I have a personal favorite moment, character-wise. I guess that would be Morpheus' speech. Morpheus' speech is pretty badass. I do want to say though, uh, Chris, because this this actually will interest you because I've studied the special effects of this movie a lot. Um, so the effect that they, the agent that Smith uses to take over bodies is actually the same effect they used when Neo first went into the Matrix with the mirror. It's just recolored oh. dark green. That makes sense. That's super cool, actually. Yeah, That, that does actually make they sense. They literally that's... just all the assets over, and then they redid it, and then they just recolored it. <laughs> that's, a, that's efficiency. No, it is. It, it's really smart. I, I respect that. So, so how about this movie for you, Chris? Oh, God, it has to be the cliffhanger ending. Oh, I love... Listen, okay, so I was watching uh, Hobbit The Dissolution of Smaug with friends in a movie theater. Darn near fell asleep throughout the whole thing. But the one thing that I took away from it, the one thing I took away from it, that, that I love that cliffhanger ending. And this movie... Like, Fire! What have we done? Um, and this movie, I just like... I, just, I like the idea of, like, this movie. And, like, it's all, like... Um, building to like this, th it's all building to the like the the finale. I like like how it builds to the next movie. Um, and just the icing on the cake for me was when um, they are talking about the uh, like how they were setting up a counterattack. It failed. Then the pretty much it was a slot. Hold on. Um, I just I just kind of wish we'd have seen that attack. I know. Um, there was a, like it was a slaughter. Yeah. Um, go and on? everyone died except one. And God, I forget his name. Uh, it was. Was the guy who looked like Orlando Bloom knockoff? No, he looked. What? No, that guy did not look like Orlando. No, the guy that Smith took over. He looks uh -oh. like a. I was talking about uh, Desolation of Smog. I was like. No. No, 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 no. Um, I, so his name was Bane. 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 When he takes over. When, uh, so they're both okay. So like it shows uh, Neo in a comatose on the hospital, on like the like the hospital bed. Wait, wait, wait. So, like, Bane, is the, 
Wait, Bane is in the guy from the Dark Knight Rises? Stop it, please. I'm trying. I'm I'm so close. Um, <laughs> I'm willing to take your body. You take my purpose. <laughs> I was born in darkness. Molded I was, by it. I was born in the Matrix. Molded by it. So, anyway. So, oh, Chris. <laughs> so, like, it's Neo on the on the um on the table Maybe. on the table like there was one survivor and he's like who it cuts to neo trucks forward and then it's it reveals that it's bane on the same ship and then credits what you say what you say what you say what um uh it's very I, i'm dumb. sorry i really i really 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 like that cliffhanger um yeah you forget about bane you because he they the last time you really truly see him is when they're uh, doing the um when they're asking for more captains right. and he's only there for a quick second and then you, he's just out of your mind because you keep thinking of Smiths and not Bane um, which by the way that guy does a great uh, Hugo Weaving impression uh, and then um yeah I like I do I'm more this time around because I know that Bane's there and I also remember where Bane's story goes. <clears throat> I'm more focused on what, how come Neo can control the robot? But where did he go? Like, that's more where my brain's at this time. But I do like that as a cliffhanger. And I remember being in the theater at 2 a.m. in the morning, walking out of this movie, especially at the end of it when you realize they have a trailer for Revolutions. Um, we were stoked. We were excited. We were like, we went home and we played the video game till like 5 a.m. in the morning. Dang. <laughs> wow. It was great. Um, um, yeah. I agree. Yeah. That's as for the first time around, I think that cliffhanger is great. I think the second time around, it's confusing as hell. And then the third time around, you either care about Bane or you care about Neo, I think. I... Once you've seen Revolutions, like Bane, I think, is just sort of a whatever thing you care way more about. Why did Neo go to a train station again? Um, I just like cliffhangers like that. I don't know why. I just like... You were just born end abruptly. Of- you don't get any closure. It's just full stop right there. I feel like it was because you grew up in an age of all of these movies making these like two-parters. No, but like, here's the thing though. Like... Don't they do that in the end? Like, in, like, okay, so like... Um, like Empire Strikes Back or something like, like, um, what's a more recent example? Uh, Dead Man, or like, uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Man's Chest. Um, <laughs> funny. So, like, we're gonna get to that franchise. God, we're gonna get to that franchise. But that's what I asked. I thought one of the Pirates movies did that. Yes, um, Dead Man's Chest did it when Elizabeth is the one who handcuffs Jack to the Black Pearl as the, um, Kraken eats it. Yeah, that movie again made at the same. Those two movies made at the same time, like this one. And so, this half a story. That's all. Yeah. So then, then it goes back to when they're more they're cheer, they're um saluting Jack, and then Barbosa comes down the stairs. I'm like, what? And then full stop. Uh, yeah. So we're going on adventure, Jack. Gosh. I just, I'm all uh, the way. I just like cliffhangers like that. I didn't even see Battle of the Five Armies, and I liked that uh, <coughs> a smell cliffhanger. 
You you should watch Battle of the Five Armies. I we are going to watch Battle of the Five Armies yeah. at some point. We're gonna get to it. Um, it'll be interesting. I can't tell. I, I can't tell you I, when that's gonna be. I feel like you res, you respond to endings a lot. It's the same thing with the first movie. Your favorite part is the ending. Um, yeah. You like solid endings. I dig it. Uh, uh, that's also um, uh, the technically the, all of the back the first and the second Back to the Futures have cliffhangers technically. Yes, the first one with like, uh, like Marty, something wrong with your kids. We gotta go fix that. They hop in the DeLorean and they drive off. I'm like, that's oh, pretty he, cool. He doesn't say kids in the first one. He just says you gotta go help with something, and then they put the kids in the second, the beginning of the second movie. But the second movie's ending is legit one of my favorite cliffhangers. Where like, like you've seen for the second time, Doc happy that Marty has gone back to the future, and then in the background, Marty just runs. Like behind him into frame and you're, and you're like, yes, dude, I'm not done. And then you see the trailer for the next movie immediately after it. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Any any time they make two movies at the same time, it's perfect. Uh, it is really well done. They did it with Back to the Future. They did it with this. They did it with Pirates. They did it with um, the only one I think that they solidly Infinity War. Infinity War, yeah. But but Empire Strikes Back stands alone. They didn't make both those movies at the same time. They made Empire with the hope that people would like that ending. So I'll give I'll give them that. So yeah, um, yeah, that was a also to as a bit of a clarification. I did realize that this movie does spend maybe as much time in the matrix if not more time in the matrix than the first movie did which is the question that i had last time i, was I don't remember how much of this movie was in the matrix oh it's so much it's most right. of it's it so much i would say I more like, than okay that was wrong there's like 75 percent. well i had i had uh i did it recently enough to know that it was more because the first 40 minutes you spent the first 30 minutes you spent zion was probably about 10 minutes of matrix in there um, and then they leave, they go to the Matrix, they see the Oracle, he has the fight with Smith, they go see the Mayor of Vinge. The whole point is they're stuck in the Matrix because they won't go back as the last ship. Naomi and their ship go to help them, and then they get other ships. Like, they never go back to Zion. They're in the Matrix till they leave. That's it. So, like, that, that's most of the movie. Like, that's why I like this movie a lot, because you can follow those rules in the next one. It's it's only there for a little bit because Neo and Trinity, I believe, have to go to the mat- the machine world. Yeah. Uh, and then this would this is my last question. Okay. Uh, you said in the last movie, the the roof chase looked really lame to you, yes. and there's a lot of lame stuff, special effects wise, in this movie, despite so many things being so great. I um, didn't yeah. notice it this time. Oh, come on. Fuck you. you that I can name off the top of my head. I... You're telling me that Smith fight that there weren't video game moments? That's what I just said. That's what I said when it was brought up by Zach. But there are other it looked times... like a video game cutscene. Yes. So then, yes. that like. Okay. Okay. Then I, I'm sorry. I, I, I blanked out. Well, that's what, I, that's what I'm saying. Like, uh, But my question is not... Can you accept one or can you accept the other? My question is, would you ex- would you understand or would you appreciate 
Or how would you feel if someone was like, someone George Lucas these fucking movies and make them better? Like, do you see that happening? Like, maybe the Wachowskis, like, break, and they're like, yeah, that stuff's dated. We can make it better. Or would you just... Uh, at this that- point in time... At this point in time, I wouldn't be surprised if it happened, but I'd be like, no, you don't need to do that. I don't think think you need to do it. Like, I don't think, like I said, like, people don't take that rooftop chase at the beginning of the Matrix. Like, that's not the thing that they remember. They remember bullet time. Like... They remember the awesome plot point with Neo, like the awesome story with Neo. They remember, they know, like they take that away from it. Not like it wouldn't be for normal people. It's for the nerds, just like right, they did yeah. with Star Wars. Really, it's because Lucas had the money and he wanted to fuck around and he just wanted to make Han Shi first. Like, I, I'm, I, I, I don't like think the they people, need to do it. But at this point in time, I wouldn't be surprised if they did because exactly, everyone's doing I, it. I agree. Like, I, I think there's a lot of people that are for, like, if they could clean up that Smith fight, would you let them? And they'd probably say, hell yeah. And, like, they have no qualms with that now. Uh, and I'm starting to think uh, how I would feel about it when it comes to movies nowadays, like when people fix the, when people fix Peter, um, well, who's the guy in Rogue One that was the bad guy? They put the face on him. Oh, um. Yeah, the guy who played Tarkin. Peter right? Cushing? Thank you, Peter Cushing. So there are people online that have already fixed that and made it look better. Um, that's Same with uh, Mustache Gate. Exactly. So why not to a certain extent? But also there's something there's something kind of funny about it. There's something cheesy about it that years later, well, like, like this movie. That's the thing. Though. Great- that's the thing that I notice about some of these like these uh, some of these like hit movies that everybody appreciates, or like some like some of the cult classics. There are things that are noticeable, like the like the Matrix is a movie that will be remembered maybe for the rest of time. And there's this rooftop chase that looks like something out of Broadway, and like it's those imperfections that, to me, that make it special. Sometimes, you know, you Star Wars now to somebody. There's a lot of people nowadays that'll be like, this just looks cheap and old. Like I can't right. get into it. It's too cheap. That I get but that I, today because I got like people who are like um, five to ten years younger than me that I hang out with that are more of like the uh, that like the prequels because they're newer and they're more update. And I'm like, you are missing out. I and that's all I'm saying. Like at a certain point, I guarantee you. That, I guarantee you, right now, there are people who watch The Matrix and are like, "I don't. I'm not into it. It looks dumb. It looks cheesy to me." I guarantee you. And oh, I'm, I'm happy. I'm happy to be at the point where I look. I remember watching that fight at the time and being like, "This is great." Sitting in the theater and being like, "This is great. It's fake as shit, but it's great." Gosh, and this, this is one like, of the movies. This is one of the movies that should be playing right now. Matrix Reloaded? No, The Matrix. The um, first Matrix. Oh, my God. I think a lot of that stuff is dated, and I do think it doesn't look like a modern uh, movie anymore. But I do I do think that the last 30 minutes do. Um, but I don't think everything that comes before it necessarily does. I, I think it looks like a 90s movie. But I'm not, I'm not saying that for me. I'm saying that because I think that younger kids find 90s movies old. 
you have found some 90s movies old that we've shown you. Like, there's a dated nature to some movies. They should. To certain I, things, but like... I do have to implore than, movie theaters in the Minneapolis area, please put Mad Max back in the movie theater so I can say I saw it in theaters. Please, thank you. Uh, you never saw Fury Road in theaters? one of my biggest regrets. That and John Wick. Why did you not see Fury Road in theaters? I wasn't into it at the time. I wasn't... I didn't know how good it actually was. Yeah, uh, you're gonna hate me. Well, here's the thing, Zach. I did you know? Did you want to see it, but just didn't get an opportunity to? No. Did, well, you, or were you like Chris and you thought this looks stupid? I didn't think it looked stupid. I just said it's not my you thing. You said it looked like dog shit. Those are your words. Which is recorded. I so <laughs> so Mad Max Fury Road when it came out in 2016, right? Uh, 2015. 2015. Yeah, at five years old. So I was in so I was in college at the time, which really I shouldn't have had an excuse. I had never seen any of the Mad Max movies at the time, and Fury Road came out, and I heard like everyone was talking about how great it was. I just had no interest because I hadn't seen it, and it looked kind of weird to me, to be honest, at the time. Guys, ah. That's so. I'm glad you are what you are now. I'm glad that you guys. I, are, like, I've sensed, with I, yeah. since then. I, I would jump at a movie like. Uh, I uh, would since jump hey at a movie like Batman Fury Road now. I, um, since then I have seen it. I own it. Same. And I've seen all the Mad Max movies for that matter. Well, that's. I mean, that's not. I mean, I'm watching it. Watching that movie. Everyone. There's very few people that I know who have watched that and been like, "That's a." that's a bad movie like i've, I've met yes. people that are like i don't like it but like they're still like that's a good movie um but like I, watching that movie see, is a great see, time see, i believe you that there, you... sorry there's oh a no like yeah go ahead. seen in theaters that i i will admit that i i am so happy i got to see in theaters that i know a lot of people who probably will never see it in theaters never have probably never will again uh, and I I don't think you've seen this movie in, in theaters, Chris, but you should. And if you've seen this movie, this movie's even better than I could ever imagine. Uh, I got to see Drive in theaters, so I saw Drive in theaters. Yeah, a lot of people did. So, Chris, have you seen Drive? No, I have not. Well, no, I don't think you. It looked like the marketing made it look slower than I like. I didn't. Um, it's a slow movie. Good. And I was just like, at that point in time when it came out, I'm like, ah, I can't take a slow movie right now. That was so good. Well, I think that it's a movie that it, it's slow, yes, but then when it amps up, it doesn't lose that pace, but you don't care because it's so fucking weird and violent. Uh, but I think nowadays you'd enjoy, and that's all I'm saying. Like, the, I believe you guys nowadays like to experiment, but at the time, that's that's so disheartening, man. Like, because that, yeah. that was a classic, yeah. A like, true, I, chat, I, a true I, tragedy. God, I saw yeah. one picture of it, and I was like, a year before it came out, I saw one production still. I was like, I'm in. Like, I I'm nothing. Well, I well the thing is, when I was in college, I was really exploring my likes in film. Anyway. Like, immensely. Apologies. Yeah. No, I'm not apologizing. I didn't realize how big of a thing Fury Road was at the time, and I just didn't care, truthfully, either. Um, I got to show my friends that movie 
So uh, good. Uh, I, I like that's the thing. Yeah. Anyway, I like having something like I, that was Baby Driver for me at the theater. Like I got to tell two couples who didn't have the movie that they wanted to see available for them. Like something happened, tickets sold out or whatever, and then they'd be like, "Well, what we're we gonna go see?" And I, I, I talked two couples into it, and both of them came out. We're like, "That's amazing." I talked everyone in the theater into it, and they all walked out and they're like, "You, you, you talked me into it. I went and saw it." <laughs> Same. It's like and, I, oh god. Same thing with Swiss Army Man. There's a movie coming out. There's a movie out right now on Shutter called Blood Machines. I can't wait to get a chance to watch it, man. It looks amazing. It looks cheap as well as awesome, like beautiful. I gotta, I gotta so, sit down and watch Guns Akimbo because I really want to see that movie. Uh, I heard it's a lot of fun. Not not the greatest, but still really fun. Yeah. Anyway, let's grade this thing. Let's grade it. Uh. So what did we give? Matrix? Uh we were in the A's, I believe. I think I gave it an A plus for sure. I thought I'm All right, hang sure on. Let me, I don't Let me double check here. I'm pretty sure I said I don't believe in the A plus. You said you did not believe in the A plus. I still don't believe in the A plus. Well then that's your problem, man. Okay. <laughs> I would say that this is um God, I want to say A minus. I really do. Uh, I'm not sure I can go that high based on what based on my experience. I mean, I I I've but I watched it too. I, this is my third time watching it this week, and like I'm enjoying so many different aspects of it. Never never wanted to not watch any of the action scenes, and I the only scenes that I didn't mind going over just like zooming by were the was the Merovingian stuff. Certainly Persephone. Persephone is just not needed. And then uh, here's the, here's probably the longest scene. For, like Trinity falls at the beginning of the movie too long, way too long to jump out that window and shoot those bullets. Like that's I'd trim like a third, a good thirty seconds off that shit. Um, but like overall story and what it leads to, uh, just on its own, not even remembering much about revolutions. I, I think the thematics are really good. I just think they're really clumsily handled. So I I, I think B plus. I think I'm gonna go B plus. A minus is so I'm so close to an A minus, it's ridiculous. It's just so ambitious. You know what? I, I, uh, I don't know. He keeps talking himself. You can up. give it a soft B, like I've done. I've done soft grades in the past. Oh gosh, but for me, uh, Alex, you're gonna have to talk me out of this. I'm dancing with a C plus. Fuck you. <laughs> That's, that, this is not a C plus. Like, watch the movie. Again. I know. I'm just like I watched like, it. I'm like. I'm trying to find a reason to give it a C plus, and I'm not finding it. But I'm, but my head is swimming right now. I uh, there's a one video that I watched very, uh, and it was made about three weeks ago, maybe four weeks ago by now. So like somebody had watched it recently, just like us, and they really broke it down in a way that I loved. And I was seeing everything that they pointed out this time around. Like it, the themes are inescapable. The problem is they're just clumsy, and the keymaker stuff is like the thinnest, most MacGuffin-y plot in the world. I love the action, and I like these characters, and I love the world, and it's all meant to do something bigger with revolutions. 
So there's a part of you know what, A minus. And I'm going to say that if, I, if you want to go over C plus, I think this video will help do that. But as of right now, the problem is you just need to watch it again. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I'll find it in. I'll really like that cliffhanger. I think it was well handled. Uh, yeah, C plus is too low. Not that I think Dude, about it's it. too low. I like that's that's abrasive to me. It's in the B's at the very least. That I'm thinking. I'm thinking. I'm about. thinking B. Oh, I wouldn't. That's the thing. I wouldn't have accepted anything less than a B minus. Okay. I'm thinking. I'm thinking. I'm. I'm <sighs> Matrix. Whole thing with Morpheus and like, like the, like uh, Neo saying, "Listen, it was all like that twist." Like once I finally understood, it, I'm like, "Oh, this is all just another measure of control." Oh no, it's all it's all BS. The whole prophecy thing is BS. That really turns it on its head. Yeah. But then the next movie is going to be like, "But is it?" Um. Maybe I don't remember. I'm gonna go with B for now, and if you link me that video, I'll watch it. Yeah, I'm gonna send it your way right now. But I'm yeah, it's like C plus is a that that's a what the yeah. Fuck my is. head was my head went straight <laughs> to that, but I'm like, no, that can't be right. I had I had to go back and remember the movie. I'm like, there's no way, there's no way it was a C plus. But that was where my head was at, like right at that moment. I'm like, there's no way. Uh, I feel like the revolutions are probably like less than this from what I can remember about it. Yeah. But I, I liked this more this time around. And I am excited to see the next one now. I am. I, did, I wasn't last time. I, yeah. If I had the time, I would watch it tonight. All right, Zach, what is it? B plus. B plus. Um, bees, bees, bees. Um, except Alex. Oh, there it is. Okay, good. Um, uh, no, I'm an A minus. I'm I've changed to an A minus. I think right. it's so anxious and so interesting. Which like, is actually quite a surprise because this movie does not have the best reputation in the general aging, audience. I think they're aging better. Yeah, okay. yeah. I think they are too. All right, so that was Matrix Reloaded. Um, Next week we finish the journey. We finish the journey. Zach gets to briefly talk about Animatrix. I will give him that if he I'm wants not, to. Do uh, it. No, I'm like basically done with it. We've okay. talked about everything that's relevant to it, as far as I'm concerned. Um, I agree. I'm gonna watch it just to get into the world. I don't think there's much we have to talk about because, like, the Osiris message happened before the second movie, and and so did the second thing. The I mean, the second Renaissance, uh, and then the rest is just people who live in the Matrix that experience the Matrix. Great. Yeah. Um. So. Next time is the finale, Matrix Revolutions. But I think there's a discussion that we need to have very quickly. Why don't we have it right now? What What wheel are we spinning next week, guys? Ooh. I was going to say. I'm not talking good, bad, or curiosity. I'm not, like... Just talking those. I'm not just talking those. Like, what wheel are we spending next week? Do Can you spin the wheel of life? <laughs> uh, the, what if this podcast just became like the game of life? Like, if we just out of nowhere, just like, guys, we're not talking about a movie. We ran out of to talk about. We're just going to play the game of life and record it. The podcast. 
<laughs> and then every week we play a different board game, but we play it in life. Like the next week we play Mouse Trap, but we literally try and trap a mouse. Oh, we try to try to trap each other. Um, <laughs> uh, so, do you feel like going for another series? I'm kind of leaning towards that. That's oh, but I really true. like spinning a wheel each week. I like that thrill. So we might just do good, bad, curiosity, and then another series. That's. I feel like that's best too, just because like there's a lot to these. Three also, movies. I miss spinning the wheel. Honestly, I miss. I do. There's so much fun to it. I was gonna say the la- Really, at the end of the day, it's there's a lot of fun of just like what are we gonna get? What are we gonna replace it with? What's All happening right. next week? Yeah, I think. So depending should, I, on. Go ahead. After the well, I think after the three, yeah, series again. Um, I'm thinking like depending on how this next movie goes. I think is where I'll make my decision. Okay. Because like I'm, I'm leaning towards me because like I'm shuffling between do we go straight into another series, and just like maybe risk getting like a seven, like a seven or eight like movie franchise. If we do, that was it was it was as. Then we don't get the wheel for another six. I want okay. I do want to spin the wheels. Of, I want, I do want to spin the wheels a few times at least. Yeah. So I want to at least I want to spin the wheels at least once each. So maybe good, bad, curiosity, then another one. Not like good, bad, curious, good, bad, curious, then another series, but just no, like good, I, bad, series. I think we only go through that a few times if we've gotten through a long series. Right. Like, yes, I agree. We go through a long series, then maybe we step away from the series real for a bit. But I agree because we have more long ones than we actually realize. I think right now. Taking a taking a break for three reels was gonna go faster than we think. Yes. Yeah. Um, so there you go, everybody. Um, we'll leave you with that cliffhanger. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> you don't know what kind of spiel we're uh, what kind of you wheel we're know. spinning. Jeez. No, what kind of spiel we're know. winning. What? Um, you don't know what kind of uh, wheel we're spinning next week. So no, you can't read our minds, Oracle. All those different versions of Neo, that was actually pretty funny too. Yeah, he's, that's the most life you've seen on the t- on long. the monitors around the architect. That was pretty funny. He um, oh, just like <laughs> it's just funny because I don't see him reacting like that at all because everybody in this movie is just so stoic. And there was a point in time actually that that did get to me, but I'm like, no, that's what this movie is, and I got to embrace it, and I did. Um, I so. Feel like- a person in the first movie and then in this movie he's playing like he's just like this he's become like his idea of what neo is like this is neo i'm hoping in the next movie he's really humanized as he like has to yeah. fight bane in the ship and has to like go with go to the machine well i'm hoping that he we see more humanity in neo than we actually remember that we did right um probably not no so there you go everybody <laughs> um so yeah, there you go. Um, okay, Matrix Reloaded. One, one last story for you, just so you can say your catchphrase at the end of this. The guy who played Tank from the last movie asked for way too much money, and that's why he died and couldn't be in this movie. So... Hashtag release the tank cut. Give it a... Bye, everybody. <laughs> yes! I was going to do, do release the... Uh, hashtag release the Morpheus uh, prophecy. Um... But uh, oh, 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 oh. that would be 
That's so hard for him. Oh, guys, there's a thing that happened today. Josh Trank, went the Fantastic Four's Josh, Josh Trank, went back on Twitter and started talking about it again. Because of course, oh, no. He can't let that go. All right, good night, uh, everybody. Say goodbye, guys. Hey. Oh, you stop recording? Yeah, I'm going to stop. <laughs> Three. <laughs> All right, good night, everyone. <laughs>